James, friends, and welcome to another episode of How To Wrestling, the world's first wrestling podcast detailing how to wrestling, how to get into wrestling, how to understand wrestling, and goodness gracious me, maybe even how to enjoy wrestling. And however, once again, I'm Kevin Mann, perennial internet explainer, joined as I am always in this uh, look at some of the world's most famous and important wrestlers by my better half and co-host, Joe Grain. Howdy. Howdy. Is that your new... Uh, is this, your, this gimmick won't get over, brother. I'm trying something new. Uh, I'll tell you what, I didn't like when Joe Graham started that howdy gimmick. I think it sucks. <laughs> Gotta turn her heel. We're gonna get messages now from people saying, you say howdy too much. <laughs> so, uh, today's episode, Joe, is how to Kurt Angle, one which I am absolutely delighted to be doing. Kurt Angle, an actual, real-life, honest-to-goodness, Olympic gold medalist and one of wrestling's most enduring characters and incredible athletes. Were you excited when this name came up as a request? No. <laughs> really? No, and no offence to the wonderful Ashley Clements who requested this. You've got amazing taste, just so Seriously. You know. Also requested how to Trish. Very great taste. Good taste. Seriously. But I hadn't... I didn't know anything about Kurt Angle. And I've mentioned this before, I got him confused with Curtis Axel. <laughs> a lot. Like, many times. I didn't, I couldn't stick in my head the difference between them. Obviously now, looking back, that's so funny to me, but... Seeing that I Curtis just... Axel, social outcast, yeah. son of Kurt Henning and perennial jobber, yeah. is definitely not one who would be confused typically. Their names are really my... similar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, right, and all due respect... Right. Well, just so you know, in wrestling, if you want to completely bury the fuck out of someone, if you just go, with all due respect at the start, it's okay. okay? okay. But with all due respect, the best thing, probably, the most positive thing to happen to Curtis Axel's career is one person mistaking him for Kurt Angle. Aww. So that's probably the best thing that's happened to him the last two years. I mean, if you've never seen any of Curtis Axel's wrestling or Kurt Angle's wrestling, it's a really easy mistake to make, okay? Kurt, there's how many Kurts are there in wrestling? You yeah. Know? Not- Kurt Angle, Curtis Axel, Curtis Hughes. Yeah, not I don't too know, many. I've not even heard of Curtis Hughes. Kurt Hennig. Or now, now we're getting the list going. It's yeah. Um, yeah. Very interesting that you weren't excited about Kurt Angle, but I can definitely tell you, spoiler alert, that uh, well, this was a, a lot of fun to get into with with Kurt Angle. We've been having fun watching his matches, his segments, and listening to his entrance music. It's funny because Kurt Angle, I don't think is. Even though I think a lot of people do consider him one of the best wrestlers of all time, mm. he's nowhere near as spoken about and as widely, highly regarded in a popular sense as like Steve Austin. I mean, had you heard his name much Not before really. this came up? No, maybe once or twice I'd heard people kind of mention him. Very but, interesting. But not like, you know, Stone Cold or Mick Foley or, you know, Shawn Michaels or The, the Rock, the big, big names. I guess that's quite funny because obviously as a new fan, you're, I mean, not to say you're under WWE's thumb, but very much they have the narrative. Yeah. And I don't think her angle has fit into... The narrative of of WWE really at all since no. you've been watching. I think with a lot of wrestlers, if they're not included in WWE's marketing, you just don't really come across them. Well, that's why we've got this podcast. Yeah. We, we look at the wrestlers that WWE don't think to be convenienced by telling you about. Yeah. Um, right, so what did you learn this week in wrestling then? So this week I learned in wrestling, this is a great fact, sent in by the Bobby Cash on Twitter. So WrestleMania, the album... Yeah. Uh, and this single Slam Jam, <laughs> released in 1993, was produced by Simon Cowell. Now, this was, a, I imagine for you, it was a little bit mind-blowing for a number of reasons. Number one, wrestling music. Yeah. 
well, I use that term loosely, but <laughs> Simon Cowell in the world of wrestling, maybe not something you would uh, no. consider. No, Simon Cowell of, uh, of of boy band fame. Didn't he make Boyzone or he, Westlife? He, he made Westlife, I believe. Yeah, and then all those big reality shows about singing. Yo, you dealing with the X Factor. Yeah, he did that as well. Um, yeah, very interesting because... Someone sent this tweet in, and because we watched WrestleMania recently, we were recording this just after WrestleMania 32. Um, for those of you who are listening in the future, greetings from the past. Um, we listened to the WrestleMania song to get us hyped up, and I was yeah. like, Joe, you got to listen to the WrestleMania song. Here we go, here we go. And Joe was like, oh, this is great. It is mostly the big boss man talking about law, order, and justice in the world wrestling for iteration. And that's why I became a law enforcement officer for the hardworking people of America. <laughs> Not really wrestling. Slam Jam though is 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 the is the real meat and veg of this. I didn't like it that didn't much. Like Slam I mean, Jam. okay. The trouble with it is it's like a bad but really catchy eighties anthem where like some diehard internet fan has just like edited it to include random clips of like their favourite wrestlers. Like, oh, here's a bit I liked when The Undertaker said this. It's kind of interesting because, I mean, you look back to when they did, I mean, we'll do a whole episode on wrestling music and music by wrestlers, I'm sure, eventually. But looking back in maybe the earlier times, the, early, the earlier mid-80s, when you had the likes of Coco Beware or the Honky Tonk Man, who had musical chops, Jimmy Hart, all these main, big wrestling names who could play an instrument and sing a bit. You look at 1993, you got The Undertaker... Macho Man Randy Savage, Bret Hart, and the British Bulldog. None of which, I mean, you don't know much about these guys, no, I'm I guessing, don't. but you know, singers, they ain't. I mean, I don't, I have no idea. They could all have side careers as singers. I, I literally have no clue. Yeah, no, that, that, that's We it, haven't Joe. done any no. episodes on any of them no, yet. That's it, no. Bret Hart's an amazing singer. He just opted to go, you know, Bret Hart's one of the greatest technical wrestlers of all time. Slam jam. I'm just saying, you could tell me that Macho Man Randy Savage has a grade eight in piano and I would believe you. Yeah, he could have been doing that I music. have absolutely no idea. I mean, as he says himself, slam jam, thank you man, says the <laughs> macho man. Yeah, I've got to admit, after hearing slam jam, I am disinclined to believe that they have any innate musical ability whatsoever. What, are you telling me that The Undertaker's, you know, solo piece of The Undertaker says... Slam Jam. He couldn't even speak in a catchy way. <laughs> the Undertaker says, Bleh. "It's just, just bad." So your 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 uh, feelings on wrestling as wrestlers as musicians at the moment? Not good. Not good. Interesting. Well, Kurt Angle then getting into the meat and veg of us. He debuted in WWF in 1999, which is what WWE used to be known as. And me as a young fan at the time was very, very perplexed by this as all these little video packages showed up. They were very wholesome. American music playing. This man in a nice tracksuit was like, Hi, I'm Kurt Angle. I won the gold medal in 1996 for wrestling. I represented my country. Um, I'm very proud to be coming to the World Wrestling Federation. Uh, I've dominated amateur wrestling, and now I'm going to come into professional wrestling. And me and every other pre-pubescent fan are like, oh, we don't like this guy. He's your poopy hair. I want Steve Austin. I don't want no Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle, which was a very interesting concept, was brought in during the Attitude Era, which we've looked a bit at with Steve Austin, mm. which, you know, Steve Austin was the main good guy of the Attitude Era. Yeah. And wholesome, he certainly wasn't. And here comes in Kurt Angle, who was presented very much as... He is an Olympic gold medalist. He is your hero. Please treat him as such. And because of the fanship at the time and just the attitude of the time, he became this absolutely 
hated. Oh god, that annoying guy's coming out again. This he's gonna talk about how he's a real athlete, not like these other wrestlers. In his first match, he stopped wrestling and got outside and said, "Excuse me, you do not boo me. I'm I want to go medal for your country, America. So please, just I'm gonna wrestle again now, but you do not boo me." Like, I think you're confused with someone else. That, that, I'm the good guy. <laughs> I'm the guy who you should be buying T-shirts of. Yeah. You know, America. No, no, no. You cheer me. It's very interesting to think that WWE, which is a you know an organization which has struggled with them telling you this is a good guy, were able to nearly twenty years ago. Oh yikes! Were able to do a satire almost on the entitled good guy. He's a hero because we say he is. I mean, don't be doing that with John Cena or Roman Reigns, even though it's it's a solid strategy, really. I mean, it, it works very well. It's a, it's a really great strategy, mainly because he had two things going from which are very apparent. Number one, Kurt Angle, the fact that he was a legitimate, amazing gold medal winner, you know, in wrestling. They don't just hand those out, you no. know. I mean, uh, Chad Gable, for instance, in NXT, he didn't even you know place in the Olympics. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, that just shows you the standard. He's awesome. He had that, and he just clicked into this wrestling role. I mean, we talked about it a great deal on the Itera podcast, how, by all rights, this guy should have been coming in expecting to be on cereal boxes and yeah. be merchandise and I'm going to be the, the big company. star. And it's like, no, actually, I'm going to come in and tell these people that they should be cheering me and how dare they boo me and be a coward yeah. and actually use the fact that I was an Olympic gold medalist to get heat. I think it shows very good understanding of how wrestling fans function. Which is incredible for him, like, to be able really to have that Really smart. Foresight. And it, not much has changed, I think, in that respect. Wrestling fans still don't like to be told who to like. And that really, like, they just kind of... They worked that to their advantage. They worked that to their advantage. Because it's really great, because when he first debuted, Jim Ross, you know, the commentator, good old JR, who likes his wrestlers, mm. he was all kind of like, oh, he's going to be a real great athlete, a great addition to the roster. And, you know, J- Jerry Lawler, who's a more kind of a, ah, this guy's boring. And as soon as Kurt started being a dick... JR was like, oh, what the hell is this guy's problem? And Jerry's like, I love him, he's my hero, you know? And it just, it, it worked in so absolutely perfectly. And he really understood it because apparently Vince wanted him to be super serious. You of know, course he Badass, did. Olympic gold medalist. He has a gold medal. We're he's not a... wasting that. What do you mean you're going to boo him? He's got a gold medal. i got an erection right now just talking about it, huh? Come on. So it was really great to see Kurt have that foresight. He had a real mean streak as well, which he was like, kind of, even though he was a bit goofy and quite comedic, he was very much, uh, the, the term we, we always use to describe this guy as, like, as a killer, in that like, oh, he will destroy you. He has mm. got the skills to, to hurt you. No more so is that evident in the first match that we chose. And I will say immediately, choosing five matches from Kurt Angle's career was fucking impossible. I blame that for the reason this episode's come out late, is it's been so difficult to narrow it down. It has been, because we've, honestly, it's been the first time it's interesting where we've been, we've been watching around, like, I just put on random Raws from 2000, like, hey, here's Kurt Angle and Bubba Ray Dudley, just so you can see the kind of stuff that he was doing, like, running down the towns and all that, and if you've got a network subscription, obviously do check out the Attitude Era Raws, just because everything that Kurt was on was generally gold, but one of the matches that we had to go with was Kurt Angle versus Shane McMahon from King of the Ring 2001 in a street fight. This was an insane match. It was very highly requested. I was very, very excited to do it. Um, Kurt Angle, in the build-up to this one, had insisted that they gave him a special ceremony to honour him for having a gold medal. So he, like, put on his gold medal, stood on a little podium as confetti flew down, and he cried <laughs> and then got upset when Shane McMahon decided to, uh, to, inter- to interrupt this. So... 
we watched a lot of Goofy Kurt from 2000, like being a silly boy and, you know, some of the really funny things that he was involved with. But here we have Killer Kurt Angle. He is like, he is goofy, but he is a badass and he shows himself to be really scary in this match. I have a question. Mm -hmm. What the frick is a street fight and why aren't they on a street? Okay, so a street fight is a match where there are no disqualifications. Right. And not only are weapons encouraged, they're allowed. Yeah, no, but it's true. So that that all right, that is it. So not only are weapons are isn't there some kind of equivalent match that we have nowadays that's not called a street match, but it's basically the same rules. Well, there's also a no holds barred match, which is the same. Is pretty much the same. <laughs> uh, then there's a hardcore match, which is technically not the same because you can pin people outside the ring. Okay. So in a street, <laughs> so funny. In a street fight, you can't pin them outside of the ring so you have to have a ring in a street fight yeah but you don't have to have a ring technically now as far as i know they started using street fight just to kind of it was like a local thing so it's like we're wrestling in chicago so it's like it's a chicago street fight or it's like it's a connecticut street fight that kind of like just to give it kind of a local feel like it's going to be rough and tumble we're going to take it like it's going to be out in the fucking streets like we're going to fight like we would fight out on the streets so it's going to be you know no pull punches kind of thing. I'm going to say right now, as a new fan, I was disappointed they weren't on a street. <laughs> Were you expecting a street? Yeah, if you're going to say it's a street fight, you need to have a street there. Okay, you will like this then, because in around 2006, 2007, there was a very brief period of time that if there was a street fight, the wrestlers would wrestle in jeans to indicate... Oh, fuck off. <laughs> So what? Dean Ambrose wrestles in jeans all the time. Every night's a street fight if you're Dean Ambrose. Exactly. Just saying, you know. <laughs> so, Kurt Angle in this one, the first thing that became apparent because you've been humming it around the house non-stop is that Kurt Angle's theme music is probably objectively the greatest theme song of all time. I'm sorry, probably? It is the it best. Is. It is the best. Is it your favourite? It is my favourite. And one of my favourite things about this match was that when his music started playing, I knew I was going to get to hear it at least another four or five times. <laughs> I was so excited. Honestly, I've been so excited to watch all of these matches. Number one reason, I get to hear his entrance music. I mean, it's so simple, but it's so brilliant. Because number one, it sounds American. Yeah. Number two, it can work as like a he's or he is like legitimately our hero. Because Kurt sometimes did play the role of the American hero. It does fit that. It does have quite a, like a patriotic, like legitimately. Yeah. Like it's a yeah. You know, you can imagine like, you know revolutionary people you know putting up flags listening to that music it also works as well as like a oh god this cheesy asshole with his little fanfare for himself you know insisting that he's got trumpets instead of a guitar riff it is probably the most fitting theme music in it's wrestling so catchy history. and it's great hype up music as well i listened to it this morning when i was getting ready for oh work. so it's on the, the the wake up hype up list along yeah with, it is smojo smojo apollo cruz apollo cruz i um, do like to wake up to it's a new day yeah. yes it is and then i gotta dance in the yeah, stairs yeah the new day and emma's theme as well oh that's very good yeah, yeah. emma's theme is you want to fuck shit up like that's a yeah. real good theme so this is kurt angle's third match on this pay-per-view to kind of Show Joe that Kurt is, in all aspects of, of things, a wrestling machine. You often hear of wrestlers wrestling twice in a night. Seth Rollins kind of popularised that. But three times in one night, Kurt Angle wrestled. Three big matches. And this was his third. He'd already had two like 15-20 minute matches before even stepping foot in the ring against Shane here. Which is pretty amazing. Some very scary skills to start this one. Uh, Shane McMahon 
is kind of here as like he's not he's meant to be like not a formally trained wrestler he's just a guy who you know who's using weapons and kind of savvy to to beat up kurt but kurt just out wrestles him the idea is that because even though kurt angle is a bad guy he's just the best at wrestling so if you try to wrestle him he will win yeah and like at the start shane even though he's a big baby face coming out full of fire Kurt just like knocks him to the ground, slaps him <laughs> in the back of the head. He's just, and I love that because there's this theory sometimes that people have that if you're a bad guy, you have to be a coward. You have to be like, oh no, backing off. Oh, like, oh no, brother. But I love the idea of someone being a bad guy because they're just, they're annoyingly good at stuff. There's so many different ways to be a bad guy. I think it's ridiculous the idea that they have to be a coward. Also, one thing I loved about the start of this match was Kurt started off in his amateur wrestling position. Oh, yeah, he got down on the ground and he's like, yeah. Yeah, it was really good. Did you know what was going on there? Because you just kind of like had a little bit of a sit-down, like... Um, I think you did mention it, but I have seen a really, really small amount of amateur wrestling, so I kind of had a sneaking suspicion that's what he was doing. Fun fact, if you do want to make yourself fart and you've got no gas in the tank, if you lie in the amateur wrestling position for like a minute, your butt will fill with air and you will do a little poot. Is that why they do it? Is it some kind of like... Yeah, Kangle's storing up like Wario in Smash Bros. He's storing up the big fart to let it rip in the end. It's an intimidation technique. Knock Shane out of the ring, you know. (laughs) Knock out. Uh, Paul Heyman was on commentary for this one, which was interesting. What did you think to having Paul Heyman there? Oh, I loved having Paul Heyman on commentary, obviously. I I love every time he's on. I love his voice. Yeah, he's fantastic. Kurt started bleeding quite early on in this. uh, In this, the reason that was was because the two of them, when they were like Kurt, would often do this when he's mat wrestling on the ground. He would just he would do it for real, and that does kind of. That's why it looks so like rough and tumble. It's because he's there, like he's flipping him over and all that. And because of that, I do think he got caught with like a stray shot by Shane quite early on. And that was really amazing that like, you know, he was wrestling hard and he gets cut quite soon into the match. Shane flung him out of the ring at one point and it was um, it was fascinating to see that although Kurt Angle is obviously this beefy man, but he's a proper muscle. He's fucking huge. He is a muscle. Yeah, yeah. But he can be so floppy when he wants to be or when he needs to be or whatever. Because when he was flung out, he just went limp. Because even though Carlingo's a big guy, he's never someone who anyone would ever, 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 ever remotely even view as being like like unagile or cumbersome or anything like no. that. Because, I mean, you look at like guys who are considered to be like big body guys, like, say, Triple H, Scott Steiner. I mean, not comparing them to being their size, but... Kurt was a considerably large guy here and he was always had that smoothness regardless of his weight, which is quite quite amazing to see. There is a point early on where Shane does actually manage to out-wrestle Kurt and even though Kurt has out-wrestled him like 10 straight times in a row and Shane just gets one little bit on him, like one little bit and Kurt fucking freaks out. He's incensed <laughs> that he like, was shown any weakness whatsoever. You get these big suplexes from Kurt as well, which I absolutely love. This big like overhead. He just throws Shane. Like, the strength on display is, is very Seriously. impressive. Shane got Kurt in a pin, um, but he kicked out of it using like his head and neck only. Oh yeah, he did. He kind of like he bridged himself up on the back of his neck. Like, Jesus, what a fucking tough neck he must have. Now, I will... You can't mention neck and Kurt Angle in the same sentence without bringing up the fact that he won his Olympic gold medal with a broken freaking neck. So does he have a broken neck here? No, he has a surgically repaired broken neck But here. he did win the Olympic gold medal with a broken yeah, neck. Yeah, he has... That's he amazing. Has a history of neck problems. Serious <gasps> neck problems. Wow. Which is, you know, maybe might make some of these later matches a little bit scary to talk about, so I'm mm. wondering... Shane brandishes a kendo stick, which is also known as a Singapore cane. You are not a fan of this. Anytime that anyone takes these out in matches, just when we're watching the show, you always seem to be, like, pissed off by it. I just don't like them. Why? I don't know. I think it's because they seem... 
they seem flimsy, but that's probably just because I've never really been anywhere near a kendo stick. I'm sure they're really horrible. I guess because you didn't go to a boarding school where one of the prefects had a kendo stick that was spray-painted red that he threatened to beat people with. No, I didn't. See, once again, your lack of a horrible childhood exposes the business. (laughs) I think it's just the splinter so much they always look really flimsy i they are sore that's i the, bet they are that's yeah. why that's why my heart bleeds is that you're here kind of always saying like oh it looks so flimsy it's like i know that those guys are like they they're taking those because they make a big noise they are sore as fuck it's like being slapped across your your boobs it's horrible it's really <laughs> sore and uh he he gets so many shots cut in here he gets one right <laughs> to the head oh god right in the stomach right in the head over the back it's really really horrible to see shane mcmahon at one point locks in the sharpshooter the sharpshooter is a move which we've seen a couple of times and if you're not bret hart you probably shouldn't be doing that move because it looks ugly as sin. Shane did that in WrestleMania as well this year. And it was fucking diabolical. It was a thing. Whatever the opposite of a thing of beauty is. That's what it was. <laughs> Shane hits Kurt with a trash can. And JR said the most ridiculous thing. <laughs> An Olympic head in a trash can. <laughs> okay. <laughs> An Olympic head in a trash can. Now the trash can then. What are your thoughts on the trash can? Again it looks. I think it looks really weak. Okay it is weak though. I mean, The is trash it? can is literally made out of tinfoil. It looks like it's made out of tinfoil. Yeah I mean the amount of times I've seen someone slammed onto the trash can. It literally just turns into a piece of paper. Yeah like, it's you just know. completely crumpled. But yeah but so that doesn't hurt that one. Not compared to the, uh, to the Kendo stick That's the anyway. trouble. If they mix and match all these things. Like they've got ladders which are secretly made of like splintered wood like plywood and then they've got kendo sticks which genuinely hurt and then trash cans which are made of paper how about this to what if you like have a special hue over the screen to indicate whether or not the weapon or the move is being shoot sore or it's just good selling there's a red hue that's actually really fucking sore (laughs) no it's a blue hue he's just amazing at selling (laughs) what's up with kurt's tattoo as far as i know his tattoo is to do with like his college or university mascot. Obviously, since Kurt was into the Olympics, he had a huge background with you know NCAA, which is like collegiate wrestling and all that stuff. So, as far as I know, that's what that has to do with. It's an mm. ugliest sin tattoo. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. Yeah, very I hate ugly. It. <laughs> so the two of these take the street fight at its word, kind of, and decide to go up to the stage where we get to see some of the scariest moments in wrestling. Yeah, it was terrifying. Kurt tried to suplex Shane through the glass. Tried. He tried yeah. so hard. And I don't know what happened because it didn't work. What was meant to happen was that you have all these like glass panes set up for the stage. Right. And Kurt was meant to do his, his, his belly-to-belly suplex, which is when the guy is facing you, you put your arms around him like you're hugging him, and then you throw them backwards so they literally go over your head. It was meant to be replaced with sugar glass so that Shane would kind of go, whoosh, go flying through there. Now, apparently, someone didn't get the memo, or sugar glass ain't what it used to be, but it wasn't sugar glass. Okay. So what ended up happening was Kurt goes to throw um, Shane over his head, and Shane just goes boing off this glass and lands right in his fucking head, which I still think is one of the most horrible like moments. Like I think as far as I know, Shane got concussed from oh, that shot alone. It's easily as horrible as the moment where you see Steve Austin like break his neck. Yeah, I mean it's 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 got to be up there in terms of like because at least with that it was like it's a wrestling move gone wrong. Whereas this is like 
this is a stunt. You know it was going to be problem. You know, there's going to be problems here. I really hope someone was fired for that. I, I would wonder, but I mean, goodness gracious me, Kerrangle and Shane still go for it, and a couple of attempts later, yeah, Shane like, goes like, flying through. Not one attempt, like literally three attempts, like yeah. a couple. It's incredible. It's really scary because, like, by the second attempt, Shane and Kurt are both like bleeding quite a lot. Yeah, because Kurt's bleeding all down his back. Shane is like bleeding on his on his temple. On his all face, that Kurt's yeah. got blood all over. I think Kurt almost seems a little bit. I mean, obviously you didn't get the knock to the head, but in terms of the damage the glass did, because the glass shattered towards Kurt, he ended up getting cut a lot. But like Shane, when he's thrown towards the glass that second time and it still doesn't go through, you just see this disgusting smear of blood where his head hits it. Oh yeah, it goes gunk like that. And you just see this like... It's like someone's been murdered there. It's like someone's throwing a bloody sock at a wall as it goes slowly falling down. And the worst one as well is that when Kurt decides to suplex him through the glass on the other side and suplex him back out, which in terms of a visual... Like, are you just seeing the King of the Rings stage and a glass pane smashes open as Kurt Angle throws Shane through it and you just see Shane exploding through? That's one of the greatest visuals in wrestling. And the fact that those two guys, even though they knew the stunt wasn't going to go wrong, still went ahead with that. I mean, it's either stupid or incredibly ballsy or a little bit of both, but they did it. And then Kurt started, like, dragging him through the glass. Yeah, he tried to, like, put him, bring him back to the ring because he had to finish it up in the ring because yeah. it's a street fight, folks. Because, like, all street fights, if you're going to fight someone out in a bar, you have to find a wrestling ring so you can finish yeah. it off. Uh. Duh. Uh, <laughs> Kurt puts Shane on, like, a little trolley and, like, pushes him over. And you're thinking there, Kurt Angle, he's three matches in, folks. He's covered in broken glass and he's bleeding. And he's pushing Shane on this trolley. He looks... I mean, that is like courage beyond yeah. belief. Kurt has got his three eyes. You've heard of his three eyes. Oh, obviously. yeah. Now, hang on. It's integrity. Yep. Uh, <laughs> intelligence. Yes. And Kevin's acting it out for me. Uh, that looks like Hulk Hogan flexing. It's intensity. Tell. Intensity. Intensity, integrity, and intelligence. He's got his three eyes. Right. So, obviously, there was a little bit of intelligence because Kurt used a tool to get Shane to the destination. Yeah. But, obviously, I mean, that is intensity right there. I mean, to actually be able to do that. And I think there's a number of times with Kurt Angle matches where the fans, even though they hated him as a heel, could just really see kind of a going above and beyond. And this was definitely one of these kind of moments where you get remembered favourably by fans kind of forever because of muscling through what is a really, like, gruesome, horrible spot. And there's blood everywhere by this point. It's a long night at the office, to put it it mildly. So Kurt tries to drag him back... um, (laughs) He tries to pin him outside the ring and he's loud. He goes, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> I feel like he still manages to find a way to be this like pouty dickhead yeah. and even this scenario. Kurt puts a board in the corner of the ring and then stands on it yeah. and suplexes Shane like from Yeah, it's board. actually his finishing suplex, which is the Olympic slam. Does he have to have the border there every time? AKA the angle slam. He had the board there to give him like spring, essentially. Right. So the idea was that he sprung off the board. Like he could give him like all this extra momentum, essentially. It was really cool. I can't even imagine how painful it must be doing a suplex when you're covered in broken glass. The fact that Shane was able to get in any hopes... Shane had like a couple of like, oh, he might win this moment here. And like the fact, though, that Kurt was able to 
like the two of those guys after what they've been through were able to like do a big huge spot like that a big move like that which even if you hadn't wrestled three matches and were covered in broken glass would be a tall order I just can't help thinking all the way through this match and even for a long time after watching it is if you've ever had a splinter or especially a glass splinter happened to me once yeah I mean god it ruins your whole day it's like all you can think about and it hurts all the time anything you do makes it worse and aggravates it it's so horrible wrestling with all those bits of glass in and then god he must have been so in so in so much pain you know i've got um i've got uh, this just as not to expose the business on a on an auditory podcast but i'm just showing joe there i do have a wee little bump on the top of my thumb there yeah that is from when i got a like literally the tiniest glass splinter in the world when I was like 14 or 15 and uh, I didn't know what happened like literally my thumb seemed fine the next day it turned giant and purple Mm. and they had to cut it open and it was literally the tiniest speck of glass was in there and just because of where it was positioned and I've got that lump there forever now as a result of that so wrestling in that Man, glass splinters are so scary. Honestly, I, I'm terrified at the idea of what they did in this match. What does it mean? Do you disapprove of the use of? Because I mean, I know there's guys out there who will like use glass every night of the week and like things like CZW, the stuff where Ambrose came from, etc. But I mean, what do you think of like the use of glass here? Was this kind of more shocking for you, or more kind of like holy shit? I mean, were you able to disassociate your worry from the spectacle? I think because it was the first match we watched and obviously I know that both end up fine because they're both, I know, still wrestling yeah, today. Yeah. So that was good because it meant I wasn't really anxious throughout the whole thing. Watching that live I mean, would actually, have been... <laughs> having said that, I was anxious throughout the whole thing even though I knew they were <laughs> fine at the end. Like you're thinking this could have been like the moment there's a reason why Shane McMahon has been gone for the last 15 <laughs> years. It was this one match. <laughs> but no, I think... Um, I mean, it's it's their bodies, isn't it? I have utmost respect that they continued wrestling mm. through that not sugar glass. Because God, if that was me and I was a wrestler, now bearing in mind I'd obviously be a hundred times tougher than I am now. If that happened, I'd be like, "Fuck this! No, I'm not doing that." You can fuck off if you think I'm going to do that. I don't get paid enough for that. No. Well, it turns out I do, but still. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any amount of money could make me want to wrestle in broken glass. Regardless, uh, an incredible match, I think. Uh, this one that Kurt won. Uh, Kurt wins the majority of his matches, as we see. It's not, not like a lot of the guys we've reviewed recently where they kind of they always lose to get the guys over. Kurt was the guy going over a lot of the time. So Kurt won this one, and it was a war. Um, just another moment from around this time which we looked at. Now, we're not going to really chronologically here in terms of like going through every aspect of his career, but a um, segment that was brought up again and again that we had to watch, and it kind of tied in around after this from the, the summer after King of the Ring 2001, is uh, Milko Mania, which is... Now, Joe was obviously familiar with Steve Austin doing the beer bath, which was one of the big moments we looked at in How To Steve Austin, where he sprayed Vince and Shane and The Rock with uh, with beer. And a little bit of a weird role reversal, Steve Austin in the ring as a bad guy with Stephanie McMahon and Paul Heyman and all of his uh, alliance goons. And then uh, Kurt Angle's music hits, and only as Kurt Angle can, it really personifies him, he comes out in a milk truck. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I mean, I loved the the thing when Steve Austin did it in the... Uh, was it Zamboni, or was that another time? That was another time, though. He did Zamboni once, and the other time was when he came in on the, the, the Coors Light beer truck. Oh, that was it was spring. an actual beer truck, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I thought it was really funny, Kurt coming out with his milk truck, but I found it quite confusing as well, because I didn't understand that the whole Steve Austin drinking beer was somehow unwholesome, so I didn't really understand, like, well, what's this, what's he saying here with this milk? Well, the, I think the idea was that, like, Austin, if he was, if there was a drink associated with Steve Austin, it is cold beer. Yeah. If there is a drink associated with Kurt Angle, the fucking nerd that he is, it's a nice big glass of milk. 
So Kurt Angle comes out and he sprays all of the alliance and then like a lot of the front rows of the crowd with this big milk hose. Yeah. And I couldn't help but think, God, that must smell. <laughs> it would smell a little bit funky the Yeah, next imagine day. you're all hot and sweaty and you go home on the train and you're like, oh, I smell like old milk. It's one of those great moments of suspension of disbelief in wrestling where as a fan you don't go, milk doesn't come in a hose. <laughs> But it was really it does great. Your Kurt Angle, <laughs> particularly as well. What makes it great is when you've got Kurt Angle smashing two two liter cartons of milk together, like Steve and Austin, pouring them down his throat. And Jim Ross is like, he's bringing out the heavy stuff. It's non-homogenous. <laughs> like doing the voice as if you know it's the main event of WrestleMania. Like it's like the most passionate thing ever. I love that Kurt was able to bring. I mean, there you go. Like within the space of a few months. Some of the most intense physical action and some of like the most memorable like humorous stuff. And very few people can do that. I mean, we talked about Daniel Bryan obviously being able, towards the end of his career, being able to develop that. But Kurt, from the word go, had that comedy, had that character, and had that ability to connect with an audience beyond he could do a great 40-minute match with yeah. whoever. And I do think that makes him a more endearing character for new fans, I think, than maybe oh, some yeah. other guys. Our next match which we looked at was Kurt Angle taking on Rey Mysterio Jr. from SummerSlam in 2002. This was a match I wanted to show because one of the amazing thing about Kurt Angle was that his ability to wrestle anyone. It didn't matter if you were 7 foot tall or 5 foot 2. Kurt Angle could wrestle you. And not just that, not wrestle you like you're going to do my type of match. In terms of he will wrestle your type of match. So you got Kurt Angle taking on Rey Mysterio here. And I did note in this in my notes that literally anytime you sat down to watch this, it was almost Pavlovian. As soon as that da, 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 hit, you, you literally sat up like and just became more <laughs> alert and a smile appeared on your face. I love it. It's absolutely cheers me up to no end. If I'm in a bad mood, I just listen to his theme and I'm immediately in a better place. Now, what was great about this as well is that something that happened towards the end of 2001 and became huge in 2002 was the fans chanting, you suck, you suck. Now, what I love so much, and it only works with Kurt, is the fact that he is, he's Olympic gold medalist. At this time, he's like a multi-time WWE champion. He's a Grand Slam winner. He's won all the belts. He's done everything on top of the wrestling world. But the very fact that the fans tell him, you suck, drives him mad. Like, if someone told me, like, oh, and this thing is we tell the wrestler he sucks, I'm like, that's a bit that's a bit weak. That's a bit light, isn't it? Mm. Telling someone he sucks, what are you going to tell him next? That he's bogus <laughs> or that he bites. But Kurt's reaction to it. I mean, we watched, well, there was a, so many videos we watched, like on YouTube, just of Kurt being funny. And there was one where he was like, if you chant, you suck one more time, I'm not wrestling tonight. And they do it. And he's like, that's it, I'm not, I'm turning the car around, back to Pittsburgh. He like came out like three or four times. He's like, no, I'm doing this again. This time you don't chant, you suck. And they still did it. You, it's so funny. You know what's the best about that? That was like four years after the chance started. He wow. was still getting that much juice out of it. And no one at any point, I don't recall anyone ever kind of going, oh, I'm a bit sick of that you suck thing. <laughs> what got boring? I'm going to say now, yes, we'll probably get boring at some point. Yeah. But you suck with Kurt Angle. Never got boring. When I was singing it to this morning, I was singing along, you suck. It's so catchy. It's just fantastic. Kurt Angle wrestling Rey Mysterio, who's obviously a man who was um, quite a deal shorter than him. This was one of Rey's big debut matches in the WWE. So this is kind of... Kurt was being very much used as a measuring stick for a lot of people. Like, if you can work with Kurt Angle, you, you might be okay in WWE. <laughs> Kurt's line to Rey Mysterio that kind of spurred this whole one off was 
you know, got challenged by, by Rey Mysterio to wrestle him. And Kurt Angle was like, hold on a minute, pal. You must be this tall to wrestle your Olympic hero. <laughs> Which I think in terms of like disrespectful things to say, it's up there with the time he went, hold on a minute, Undertaker, if that is your real name. <laughs> um, Kurt Angle's attire in this one. Not just his attire, he's lacking hair. Oh, of course, he's bald at this point, yes. Yeah. Kurt um, lost his hair to Edge in a hair versus hair match. <laughs> Kurt was balding at the time. It's not just the women then that get the ridiculous matches. Men get hair versus hair matches. Oh yeah, hair versus hair matches. I mean, that's something that has its roots in Mexican lucha libre. It's the kind of idea that losing one's hair and what's like losing one's mask is like losing one's identity and like that's a terrible thing to happen. In reality, Kurt Angle had a receding hairline and because he's a big silly heel, he knew that he could get a lot of money and a lot of juice out of a feud where his hair was on the line. And lo and behold, his hair was shaved off Kurt wrestled a month with the fucking worst wig ever, with big head strap over it, big wrestling headgear, and refused to admit that he he was like, guys, you wouldn't believe it, my hair grew back like overnight, <laughs> and it's like this toupee that as he wrestled like a match, it would uncurl underneath, and you would oh, see you've it. Got to show me a picture of that. That Absolutely. sounds amazing. So yeah, Kurt Kurt is bald, and he's also wearing uh, some snazzy ring gear. He was wearing like a candy cane singlet. Candy cane Kurt. It was fantastic. I love it. It's very fetching, very American. I love love Kurt Angle like he had like, his, his ring attire particularly in WWE he had like such inventive it was always a singlet like playing on the, the, the wrestling background he did have one once that I loved which was it was camouflage but red white and blue camouflage oh wow like what a great play on the American theme there that's like really really smart stuff I mean I, just to show you the costume designers in WWE are incredible yeah I must say Kurt without his hair I don't know I like it he looks very scary. He does, he, particularly when he wrestles the long matches where he starts to sweat a lot and his head kind of becomes a little bit like prune face. From, a sweaty egg. <laughs> it does. Like like your thumb's been left in the bath too long. You take yeah, it out, it's Kurt Angle. Broken freaking neck, you know. And that's kind of what it looks... It does, it does make him scarier. He definitely looks less goofy. It did, around the time his hair was lost, it was the transition. Uh, I mean, he was... All the time in WWE, he always had that comedy part of him. Mm. Always. But... Definitely, the loss of the hair did move more towards the, the more killer. wrestling machine killer Kurt Angle. Absolutely, you were very, very distressed by Rey Mysterio's tattoo. As the match started, you just went, "What's wrong with Rey Mysterio's back?" Oh yeah, they look like loads of cuts, <laughs> like loads and loads of tiny wounds. It's a fucking horrible. What is it? It's just a shit tattoo. Is all it is. Oh, it's horrid. Sorry, Ray, your your tattoo is crap. So Kurt Angle starts off this match with big old suplexes to Ray Ray. He does a thing in this which he loves, which is he pulls down his straps to indicate that a big <laughs> move is going to happen. Now, we talked about this previously in a match. This is very much another one of those wrestlers, Ash Ketchum, hat turned to the side so shit's about to come down. And you know that if Kurt Angle was, was chucking that ultra ball at the Mewtwo and he didn't have his master ball left, them straps would be going down and he'd be jumping up and down like that. Yeah. I, I love... Him taking the straps down so much. <laughs> I'm amazed at how tiny Rey Mysterio is. Yeah, Rey is very, very short. How small um, is he? He's like five foot eight, five foot nine. So he's not actually. He's that actually short. not that tall. Kurt is quite, quite big. Like really, he is. And Kurt is very muscular here as well. He does kind of like dwarf Rey Mysterio. There's a very cool moment in the match where. 
the referee tries to stop Ray from doing the dive to the outside to Kurt and then Ray does it over the referee yeah. I thought it was really really cool Ray's finisher is fantastic oh yeah you really popped huge for it so See, cool the 619 in the west coast pop you fucking freaked out it's amazing I really really liked it was it just like a spectacle oh, you hadn't seen anything like that I guess yeah never springboard stuff always seems to like uh, someone can like balance on a ropes and jump off and then do a thing that's like you know the funny thing is I remember him doing that and then kind of going there's probably like three people else on the roster who can do this other than Kurt Angle like take that move like, John Cena sure as shit ain't taking a springboard <laughs> hurricane rana flipping over like that quick as you like Kurt catches Rey Mysterio mid-air and puts him in his devastating submission move which is the ankle lock what did you think about the ankle lock? Because it's one of my favourite submissions in wrestling ever. I've got to admit, I mean, I've seen it done by other wrestlers and I wasn't that impressed. I think it can be done very badly. Jack Swagger does it where he's literally like, I'm going to hug your leg now. Yes, I'm holding up your leg. <laughs> Here you go, this is mildly inconvenient for you. No, my shoe's going to come off. Yeah. Everyone will smell my stinky socks. But Kurt Angle, the way he does it, makes it look genuinely so agonising. It looks like he's going to rip the guy's foot off. Part of me is just thinking, probably actually putting it in for real. Yeah, <laughs> I do wonder. So Kurt Angle, after kicking out of the spectacular 619 does get the ankle lock put in again and just he just uses his strength through his advantage. What I love about it is that he just, just put him in the ankle lock but people try to kick out. He rolls around with them. He wraps his legs around. He just bullies Rey Mysterio and Rey has no choice but to tap out. It's very amateur wrestling, isn't it? There's it is. There's a lot of that in, in that. And the reason why that works as well is that even though this is like one of Rey's first, this is Rey's first big pay-per-view match. Really? Yeah, and people would be like, oh man, they're burying him. But like, Kurt Angle was a character which is very rare these days where it's like, there's no shame in losing to Kurt Angle. Yeah. There's so few wrestlers on the roster where you can kind of go, ah, yeah, but there's no shame in losing to, you know, because they are just, they're good, they're amazing. I wouldn't say that losing automatically means burying. Oh, well. no, no, Someone's no. Someone's got to lose. No, 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 no. Every single night of the week, okay? <laughs> Monday Night Raw, 12 burials. <laughs> if you lose, you're buried. <laughs> Someone's got to lose. I'm sorry, that's just the way wrestling is going to be a loser. Vince McMahon calls a staff meeting. And remember, if you lose, you're out of the WWE. <laughs> Have a great show, guys. If you lose, you're out of the family. And I think there are definitely times as well where there are wrestlers who have lost matches and as a result have gotten more over. I that's think, not being buried. I think as well here, kind of like, it just, it kind of showed like Ray, it's kind of like, you know, Kerrangle is like a different beast. WWE is a different beast to what you would have wrestled before. And yeah. it's like, you got to change your game to, to face someone like Kurt Angle. And Kurt is... I mean, that's just great. Because, I mean, if someone does beat Kurt then, it means a lot more, yeah. I think. You it's know? like Brock Lesnar. Just because you lose to Brock Lesnar doesn't mean you're suddenly the worst Actually, wrestler in the world. I will put a, go back and put an asterisk on my previous statement. There is no shame in losing to Brock Lesnar. Because, I mean, you know, he's Brock Lesnar, in it? Like, so... Our next match, which took place at WrestleMania 19 in Seattle was Kurt Angle taking on Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship, which is a match that was unfortunately cut from our Brock Lesnar episode. This match was the main event of the evening, and it was kind of showing a shift in style at the time, which was towards the likes of Brock and Kurt. This was Brock's first WrestleMania, oh. and he's there in the main event wrestling Kurt. Two guys who had amateur wrestling background and experience. Oh my god, this was an incredible one. It was a ham versus ham match. A meaty match. Absolutely. I mean, Kurt is particularly meaty here, as is Brock Lesnar. Or commentator Taz says that this match is a rocket buster. 
I want to start using that phrase more on how to wrestling. What does that even mean? It's a rocket buster, Joe. <laughs> I think it means it is a good match. Right. So it's going to be a rocket buster is a good thing. What really confused me in this match was we had Paul Heyman again. And this time he was aligned against Brock Lesnar. Oh God, yeah, this one was really strange because like the hi- we watched the hype package for this one, the video package, which is always great to watch though, those ones if you're you know trying to dip your toes into a random pay-per-view. And of course this was nice because it's, it's traditional. This was a Royal Rumble winner in Brock Lesnar facing Kurt Angle, who was a WWE champion in the main event. But yes, in this scenario... Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar were at odds. Uh, Heyman had screwed over Lesnar and Heyman was aligned with Angle as a heel and Lesnar was the good guy. It's like a strange dystopian past. Seriously. I mean, I guess it was one of those things back in the day where it was like, in 2002 or 2003, you couldn't be with Paul Heyman and be a good guy. Which is why he's just too good at being a bad guy. It just didn't work that way. Kurt Angle also had... Team Angle in his video package. His little group of amateur wrestlers who wrestled just like him, dressed just like him, Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin. I thought that was so cool. And he switched out with one of them at like the very beginning. <laughs> oh yeah, in, in the package. It was actually his uh, his brother that he, uh, oh, he switched out with. Yeah, um, Kurt used a fake Kurt when he was wrestling Brock previous to this match. So uh, <laughs> again, one of the three eyes coming into play there. Not the first or the last time that Kurt Angle used one of his dopey looking brothers who looked kind of like him to uh, make another wrestler think that he's wrestling. It was very, very smart. Kurt Angle came out in a really sweet ass hoodie. Oh! Oh, the Which, team angle hoodie I want for around the house. Oh yeah, I've I've written down note to self buy for Kevin's birthday. Oh so nice, fingers crossed. One, yeah. I like that very much. So, um, you mentioned to me at one point in this match that Brock is wearing a white bandage around his waist because of having a sore tummy. Yes, and I didn't really know what you mean. Did he have IBS or? <laughs> Um, I guess... Did he eat too much spicy food? I wasn't clear in my wording. White tape around the midsection means that he has sore ribs. Oh, okay. But so, ribs are higher than that. I guess, but it's just the way that the, the tape was on there. I just want to do, because I'm just doing this thing at the moment as you're watching wrestling, which is kind of like, to not to, to push into the deep end, but I want to see if you can like pick up on things like, he has white tape around his tummy, so will he be selling his midsection like he's meant to, because he's meant to be sore, you know? If a guy comes out and he's like, oh, I'm sore because I hurt this part of my body the night before, how will that affect the match? And Brock is you know working this match with uh, injured ribs, so that kind of is part of the story of it almost. So is it kayfabe injured or shoot injured? Oh, kayfabe or injured. It's kayfabe okay. injured. I mean, a lot of the times it will be kind of could be like mild shoot injury, which is turned into a kayfabe, like oh his ribs are really sore or whatever, you know. This is a bit random. I saw a clip recently where Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar kissed each other. <laughs> it was just like a thing they did after the show. Like they were just like. It's weird for a big homophobe to go kissing They did these things because we showed you the segments where the two of them were like backstage as best bros drinking milk together having a push-up contest and all that. They actually had like kind of a like jock bro feud where they were both (laughs) friends but trying to outdo each other. I love that. And it was kind of like pushing each other. He's like kind of like oh I'll hug you fine. I'll kiss you. So what? You know I'll I'll pinch (laughs) you on the bum. So what? It's like the greatest out of context clip ever is just Kurt Angle like being pinched on the bottom and Brock is like what's the matter? 
Come on, bro. What's the matter? You gay? What's the matter, bro? Come on, kiss me back. Oh, I'll kiss you. I'll show you. I like to imagine that all of this is just a pretense because they actually do fancy each other. Yeah, true. It's just um, hiding their true feelings. What I did like about this match, uh, which is quite sad, is that this was the first and last WrestleMania that took place in Seattle. And this was one of the worst drawing WrestleManias of all time, which Vince McMahon to this day blames on the city of Seattle. Wow. Which I really hate because I just love the idea of Niles and Frazier being dragged along by Martin, you know, to go and watch the wrestling. I say, Niles, this Kurt Angle is the most refreshing grappler. Notice the way that he he shoots the half on Brock Lesnar there. And, of course, Eddie jumps up and down when he hears Brock's entrance theme. And, and Niles makes fun of Frazier for looking like The Undertaker. And Martin likes, and Martin likes Brock Lesnar because he's big and he's got a big foam finger that says Brock Lesnar on it. <laughs> I'm just telling you... You, you've missing, you're missing a huge opportunity for crossover there. If you don't do it, TNA will. <laughs> <laughs> so we had some amazing mat wrestling between these two. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got the kind of feeling with these two that they would have been most happy if the two of them could have just sat down and done an actual shoot wrestling contest. Oh yeah, Olympic beat each other up for real, yeah. Did you see that massive, super huge suplex that Kurt did to Brock that was so big that Brock flipped over 180 degrees he in the air? literally threw him like a baby. I can't, for the life of me, fathom, like, unless Kurt Angle has got ant superpowers. I think he might do. How he was, that was just fucking freakish. Yeah. I, I coined the phrase, big flipperoo German suplex for that one, because that was absolutely amazing. <laughs> Lesnar's selling is actually pretty good in regards to his stomach. I, I did keep an eye out, um, and he does keep grabbing onto his back. Good. Yeah, so I think he's uh, he's doing well. I'm nice to see you pick up on uh, that. I did try. It's good because when you pick up on stuff like that, then you can realise why John Cena or Roman Reigns don't do their jobs properly sometimes. So then you can be justified in being an angry smart. <laughs> you know? There were some weird signs in the crowd in this match. Oh, yes. You are a stinky butt. <laughs> Take that. Uh, another sign that just said poo. So I'm just guessing that this is an audience of 10-year-olds. I'm just saying, right? You know, we're all having fun here telling people that they suck and all that. But you guys took it too far, okay? <laughs> just going to go home. No more wrestling. Vince, turn off the lights. They're being crude. Is this before the PG era? Because I'm not sure. PG happened for a reason. Like, the fucking poopy sign comes up. The right to censor music hits. And Stevie Richards comes out and says, No! <laughs> Profanity! <laughs> I did like the fact that Kurt hit four German suplexes in a row. I love that when he got the ankle lock in, it felt like oh. a a really oh, devastating God. moments. Brock properly screamed when Brock, he was put in that. I, I still think those two guys were going at it like strong style. As they I do wonder say. if they had a little word before and like, hey mate, do you want to just do this for real? Hey, guess what? I hate your ankles. So <laughs> let's go and do this. And then um, he dragged him all the way to the ropes, Brock Lesnar. Yeah, like, with his pure with power. His, yeah. Well, now, when Kurt was wrapped him up there in the ankle lock and he had like a single leg on him, so he was all wrapped up on mm. him like a vine, you did make the uh, the observation that Kurt Angle looked like a penis. Yeah, he does look like a penis. Is he our most phallic wrestler to date? Because I would say Steve Austin, but penises typically don't have a goatee. No, it's Most true. penises don't have a goatee. Yeah, and they don't tend to drink beer. Whereas milk and penises, more of an association, <laughs> you know, white liquid. Just as well Kurt wasn't bald when he did Milk Mania, because that <laughs> shit would have been... I mean, that's borderline, uh, that's borderline clips for sale there, Kurt. I just had to mention there's a moment in this... Because it's Adam's favourite commentary line of all time. And I know I've mentioned him already. But Taz, the commentator, when Brock Lesnar goes for his finisher, the F5. Taz goes, oh my god, F5s are coming. It's just the greatest noise 
ever. So good. I mean, internally, every time I see a great big move, I'm just going, yeah, oh, like that. It's amazing. Thanks to you and Adam, I've gained such an appreciation of grunts. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's when a commentator does a grunt, you mm. know, it's a good. If the move is so big that it makes a commentator grunt by proxy. Yeah. I mean, the only thing else you can make is the whole audience just go <laughs> at once, you know, that's the next step level of gruntness there. <laughs> you said to me at this next point. You're about to witness one of the scariest almost fuck-ups in history. Almost fuck-ups. You can't tell me that. How that come? was so scary because then I was like <laughs> on the edge of my seat like what the fuck's going to happen? It was because it was like you didn't quite get the timing right as well. It was like several minutes before the Ah uh, yeah, I thought really it happened. was coming. Yeah, it was false So I was finishes. just sitting there like when is it? Oh my are they, what, who's going to die? Are they going to break that? Ah. Yeah, because I think between me telling you that and it actually happening, there was like another ankle lock and another F5, another angle slam. But we knew that things were getting a bit dodgy when Brock started going up towards the top rope. Yeah, he started climbing up to the top rope, which obviously he doesn't do very often. Well, folks, we don't see Brock later up on the top rope too often at all. What the hell is he thinking here? And I thought the fuck up was going to be because just before he jumps, his ankle kind of slips. Yeah. Uh, but it's not that. He steadies himself. Yeah. And it's the next bit. So he jumps off the rope and he just narrowly misses Kurt on the floor. And now you had to go back and rewind and re-show it to me again because I kind of missed exactly what happened. But Kurt just moves out of the way in time. It was a very, very scary... Because, I mean, he drives off the ropes, but uh, if you go check out hashtag Wrestling Move Monday, you can see that it's a shooting star press. And a shooting star press is when a wrestler flips his body backwards in a backward somersault so your legs go backwards over your head. Yeah. Brock Lesnar doing that, quite scary. And Kurt, because Brock was just short... Kurt manages, I'm talking literally, you can feel Brock's breath as he does yeah, it. He split just second. Split second. Because I think otherwise he would have just landed his head straight on his shoulder and he would have really hurt himself. Now Brock did really hurt himself. Did okay? he? Was he probably Absolutely. injured? Oh yeah, he was. He was at, uh, Brock was injured following this match because of, of that move specifically. he gets the pin pretty much immediately afterwards, doesn't he? Yeah, we get another F5. That was meant to be the finish. Obviously it didn't happen. Kurt yeah. gets up, gets another F5 and that was the finish. I always thought, oh, it's a bit flat. But Jesus Christ, the, that move was just absolutely terrifying. Yeah. In terms of who told Brock to do it, originally the word was that it was JR, Jim Ross. Hang on, so he didn't just decide to do it, he was told. Oh, no. You, and who was fucking bad decision thought this this meat of a man should do a shooting star press? <laughs> but it turns out it wasn't JR, it was actually a guy called uh, John Laurinaitis, aka Johnny Ace, who was a backstage man who most people don't like very much. Mm. Sounds like Marty Funkhauser from Curb Your Enthusiasm, for a point of reference. Right. So yeah, very scary end there but even in that fuck up you get a just a, a chance to witness Kurt's amazing skill now I will tell you this now because I don't want to tell you before the match because you wouldn't have enjoyed it because you would have been worried but Kurt Angle wrestled this match with a severely damaged neck as in up until a week before this it wasn't looking like Kurt was going to be wrestling Brock at all. That's why they did the thing with Kurt and facing Brock on the show beforehand and him doing the switcheroo and all that because Kurt, it was looking like he wouldn't be able to do it because his neck was so damaged. Oh, wow. Kurt was gone for a couple months after this for, for neck surgery, which he put off so he could wrestle this match because he knew that Brock needed that big win at WrestleMania. Otherwise, it would have been flat. Wow. So I'm still confused with the Brock Lesnar thing. Why did they think it was a good idea for him to do that? It's WrestleMania. He was doing. He used to do that in developmental over which would have been the equivalent of NXT back in the day. Brock used to do that shooting star like every match. He could he really? could do it like and he was like he was doing it all day, like he could practice, he could hit it from any point in the ring. It was just a case of, you know, we said it before, but you can practice a move 
over and over again, but until you're there and you're feeling the the jadedness and you're tired and it's a full ass match, you know he's four. It's a thirty-five minute match thereabouts, and then you're standing up. And that's when you realize, okay, he's never done a shooting star press in a main event of WrestleMania in front of like sixty thousand people. You know, really tired, really sore, wrestling mm. a physical match with Kurt Angle. So again, it wasn't the case that someone was like, "You should do this for the first time do ever." It or you're fired. He did have a history of doing it, right. but it was very much the case of that big green kid being told, "Hey, you can do that spectacular move, so you do that spectacular move." It's WrestleMania, kind mm. of. So yeah, Brock Brock himself cleared that up on the Steve Austin's podcast a while back, saying, "Yeah, it was that John Laurinaitis that that told him to do it." But God, Kurt Angle. That match, I mean, as I said, I don't want to tell you beforehand, but that match, which I, I love that match, I think it's an incredibly intense, physical main event for a WrestleMania. To wrestle that with, a, with you know, again, with a broken freaking neck. Yeah. That's unheard of. I mean, he wouldn't be allowed to do that these days. Well, isn't that kind of similar to what Steve Austin did? I mean, Steve Austin was very much like, when his neck problems were getting bad, he was not wrestling these types of matches ever because it means Austin's style his brawling style true, yeah. was because of the limitations of his neck that's why he wasn't doing that stuff and when the neck got really bad in late 99 he wasn't wrestling nearly at all it was like kind of the odd match here and there then he was gone for a while to get his surgery Kurt Angle still wrestling at a very high level even though he has this injury and he comes out here and this isn't like a hey this guy's kind of injured main event it's a full-on Kick ass, all guns blazing, nothing held back, even though he's got that severely damaged neck. And I just think that's it's either stupid or miraculous, but it's 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 not a lot of people would do that for wrestling. I couldn't wrestle even if I had a headache, like a mild one. I'd be like, Oh, I've got a bit of a headache today. Don't fancy wrestling. Yeah. And I think I don't want to feel like some people might make the argument that he was almost exploited by WWE, but certainly Kurt's willingness to always put on an amazing match, mm. regardless of his health or whatnot, seemed to be kind of taken advantage of in some senses. In a sense that any time there was anyone injured in the, between the years of 2003 and 2006, Krangle was moved around, changed face, changed heel, put here. Like, Batista gets injured, right? Put Krangle over on SmackDown. John Cena needs an opponent, right? Put Krangle over on Raw. We're launching a new brand, ECW, right? Put Krangle over there. You know, every night of the week, house shows. All right, these guys won't wrestle that much, but Kurt will put on a good 30-minute match in the main event, you know? And it was pretty sad to see that someone who had all this kind of skill was really carrying, in terms of the work rate and, like, Here's the wrestling for tonight. Mm. He was carrying that on his back. And that was not fair on him, I don't think. Seeing as he did all that and he isn't really seen as like the face of the company or anything. The way no, he was never these, given that. Yeah, all these was, other legends are. But Six times he was the world champion. Wow. Um, but I mean, it's not as if he was ever yet yeah, the face of the company. It's not as if it was ever tonight, Kurt Angle. You know, I mean, he was always in the mix. He was always a, a main event player, absolutely. But he was never viewed as being the guy or like they will never mention him like WWE is like who could forget Kurt Angle I mean they very much don't do yeah. that at all so it's very sad to see that that was happening with them that being said regardless of the flip-flopping and all that Kurt still put on incredible matches mm. and still put on some incredible promos yeah some of the funniest ones come from as I mentioned them trying to you know how do we make John Cena get over as a good guy well Kurt Angle is such a good wrestler you'll get anyone over so here comes Kurt Angle, who's got like a six-year tenure of amazing matches and we're expecting hardcore fans to ch- boo him and cheer John Cena. How do we get Kurt Angle to do that? Easy. We have him cut promos about how he fucking hates the military. Me and Joe watched some of his like 
trying to get fans to boo him promos, and they were so fucking funny. The one he's like, everyone went over to that show in Iraq, tribute to the troops. It makes me sick to my goddamn stomach. Do your jobs, you <laughs> stupid troops. Now, Kurt is a patriot, like. Yeah, it seemed quite awkward, I thought. I could see he was crying inside as he's yeah. like, do your jobs, you cowards. I won my Olympic gold medal with a broken neck. Go win a war for us. You signed up for it. Oh, Jesus. Oh, poor he, Kurt. Kurt has done a lot of work with, like, ex-servicemen, wounded warriors, etc. So I know for a fact they kept him off the, the, the tribute to the troops, the USO-type oh. shows, to get him over as a heel. And I felt that's like, again, now cruel. you're... It's cruel. You're taking advantage of the fact that he will wrestle all the time. And now you're just taking advantage of the fact that he'll he's a company guy. And he was always a company guy. And that's kind of... It was sad. The other promo, though, which is just pure hilarity, is Kurt Angle declaring that he can do anything and everyone in the car audience will still cheer for him. Mm. When he went out, he said, just so you know, I'm not a big fan of the black people. And he did do air quotes. <laughs> and if you could go back in time and make anyone tap out, it'd be Jesus Christ. <laughs> and he thinks the greatest country in the world is France, which got more booze than saying he didn't like black people. But anyway... Yikes, wrestling fans. <laughs> so the next match, which... Oh, God... You know, even though Kurt was maybe being a little bit mishandled in terms of moving around, flipping them and flopping them, there was always gold to be had in the Kurt Angle rainbow, and this was one of them. Kurt Angle versus Shawn Michaels from WrestleMania 21. I love this match so much because the premise was so simple. Who the best? I'm the best. I'm the best. Let's find out who the best. I was excited about this match to see more Shawn Michaels, because we've watched, I think, one match of his, and he was randomly in WrestleMania this <laughs> yeah. year. But you do, you've seen, been positive about Shawn Michaels so far. It's interesting, because on the one hand, I loved what I've seen, because he was in that Hulk Hogan match where he was burying him, like literally doing the burying action. I thought it was really funny. <laughs> burying him, but he lost. He was buried. What are you talking about? <laughs> but I've heard a lot of people hate him as a person yeah oh i'm interested to do the episode on him at some point absolutely. because i'm excited to learn a lot about him that is one that's absolutely in the pipeline uh, thoughts on hbk's entrance gear it's like some kind of robe like made literally of strips of jewels yeah he's, he's covered in jewels it doesn't cover much <laughs> now much in the same way that when you were like you can't explain that with the foot on the ropes to gain leverage for a submission move or anything like that you know I really couldn't... You were like, what is he wearing? I'm like, it's coming out. It's his entrance gear. You were like, what is he actually wearing? I want to know. It's his entrance gear. I can't explain it. I'm sorry. Does it count as clothing or jewellery? That's... I mean, it is full body jewellery, isn't it? Like, Mm. you know, it's it's like a gown of jewels. Yeah. Shawn Michaels very, very into his strappy jewels. It looked like a fucking nightmare to get in and out of. I'll tell you that much. Oh, yeah. Shawn Michaels, just going to say this right now. Good ass. Really? Mm, good good ass. Is it because he wears those faux assless chaps that have an ass on them? Yeah. Yeah? Interesting. Probably. Very interesting. <laughs> Never would have thought of old HB Shizzle as having a, a nice bum. Not the handsiest of men, but got a good bum. How about Kurt? Where's he rate on the handsy scale? Oof. I mean, balls, Kurt going, yeah, it's probably not yeah, high up there. Yeah, he's a bit scary looking. Plus, he looks a bit like a penis sometimes. I don't but know. Kurt with hair, I think, is quite handsy. Oh, Kurt, comedy Kurt with hair. Comedy in Kurt. It. Like, Kurt in his little hat. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> uh, we finally watched the full segment just so you know Joe who who before this only knew Kurt 
slash Curtis Axel as the guy who wore a tiny cowboy hat. Watching it in context, that segment with him wearing a tiny cowboy hat, which was a fucking pain to find. Jesus. Really Oh my God. I had to go to Twitter to find it. What what did you think of that? Just as a sidetrack. Oh, I thought it was fantastic. Comedy gold. It's so funny. Oh, he's so funny. Steve and Vince wearing big cowboy hats and Kurt wearing a little little cowboy hat. Little baby hat. We all look like real badasses, guys. I'm I'm a cowboy. Yippee ki yay. I just love the fact that he's not even upset that his hat is small. He's He's happy to have a hat. He's really happy to have a hat. A lot of people don't have a hat. He's privileged to have a hat. I just... His whole character is so lovable. I know. He is. He's got a dorkish, roguish quality to him, I think. I don't think I could ever get sick of watching goofy Kurt Angle. No, me neither. Absolutely not. I mean, they did great things with Kurt as well where he's completely oblivious, like where Trish Stratton back when she was a heel would try to seduce him and she's like hey have you seen the latest issue of Playboy he's like oh I don't read Playboy you know it's not not my kind of thing and she like tried to seduce him and he's just like see you later you know he's like I wonder if you want to have a you know, meet up later on he's like oh do you want your, your guys to interfere in my match thanks for the offer but I don't need it and he's just on his way like so wholesome I love it and like JR's like you idiot she's trying to have sex with you <laughs> anyway back to this match though to start it off, it was so wrestling. I likened it to two piles of living spaghetti wriggling around as they were just back and forth. And the announcers have this really cool story that they tell you, which is Kurt is wrestling Shawn Michaels, who's known as kind of being like a high flyer and a showman and all this stuff. So he's not anticipated that Shawn Michaels is going to do mat wrestling with him. And Shawn Michaels brings all this kick-ass headlocks and, you know, mat wrestling that Kurt usually is a specialist at. And he does it and he's better at it than Kurt. And Kurt is just completely out of his element because he was like, what, what, you can't wrestle me? I'm the wrestle. And that's why I absolutely love it. It's a really great story that they tell in that. Um, he finally escapes Shawn Michaels, who has him in a headlock for like the first five minutes constantly. And he locks in that ankle lock straight away to a very big pop. So even when Kurt Angle is a big nasty heel as he was here, just because of the quality of his wrestling and of his, of his stuff, he was always beloved by the fans. Angle's bleeding from his mouth. Oh, Jesus, yeah, he got a really bad, nasty cut in his mouth. I think he just got, like, again, anytime you have that, like, shoot wrestling at the start, it seems that uh, bleeding happens. It's so scary because it looks like he's got some kind of internal organ damage and he's, like, coughing up blood or something. It does wrap up the old intensity in this one quite a fair bit. The two of them brawl outside and one incredible moment where Angle picks him up for, like, his finisher, the Angle Slam, but he just, like, backs him up into the ring post and cracks his back against it. It was fucking horrible he got michaels into an ankle lock which looked very very painful Mm. and i loved that um michaels like crawled his way to grab the rope Shawn michaels selling in this what did you make of it like the the agony or the pain that he he felt he was in it was absolutely fantastic i mean i love Shawn michaels and in this match was really really good very interesting i love it as well that kurt has got like He's, he's kind of very much at this point, we're talking like around like 2005 thereabouts. He's very much, he's still got the goofiness now and then, mm. but you know his style in the ring is a lot meaner. Like you've got Kurt will do things like rubbing his forearm in the oh, face, God. slapping people on the back of the head when he's just like real, like he's a bully, he's a mean, he's a mean wrestler, like he will hurt you if he can. I love the ankle lock by Kurt Angle for for one particular reason, other than the fact that he does it really, really well, is that it gives this potential for whoever he's up against to do this kind of slow crawling. Yeah, it's really dramatic. Like it is, it's really dramatic. It can be done very badly, and I've seen it done very, very badly. The drama as well is that when Kurt Angle puts in that ankle lock. 
the look on his face. Yeah. I mean, there's one that we did a, a, a show recently on the podcast where Kurt Angle put the rock in the ankle lock and he goes, tap, tap out, you son of a bitch. I'm going to break your fucking ankle. Like right into the camera. He's just, he's gone. He's in that zone. He's, he's, he's gone into Kurt Angle is going to break your ankle mode. And honestly, in terms of suspension of disbelief, if you're putting me in your finishing hole that's meant to like hurt so much, you have to give up. You need that, like, yeah. bit of intensity to sell it. I mean, the selling has to come from both ends, I guess. Absolutely. You know? I mean, I don't want to see someone going, ah, my ankle, if the other person is there looking bored, having yeah. a smile on their face. <laughs> this going, is easy. <laughs> Kurt Angle started to put his singlet back on his shoulders, and I was really confused. I was like, why is he getting dressed? Because yeah, he pulled him down earlier on to do his he ankle slam. Yeah, which, of course, he was, like, you know, hulking up or whatever, turning his Ash Ketchum hat. I was really confused. And then I realised it was so he could take the back off again. <laughs> I love him so much. That's so funny. And the best the way he did it was like putting them back on, take them right back off again. I love that he put them on and he's and as he's putting them on, like, you're in for yeah, it now. Yeah, you're in for it now. And then off they come. And he, you son of a bitch. I'm doing it again. That's it, lads. The kettle's boiled. You're in for it now. Um, do you want me to pull my straps then? <laughs> I'll put them back up and pull them back down. Don't you think I won't do that? Of course I will, you know? I've got to say, I know loads of people have compared him to Chad Gable and he also wears a singlet. Yeah. I would love it so much if he did that. I think it would be so funny if he did the whole pulling the singlet pulling the straps down, down and then putting it back up again, getting this little tizzy while he pulls it up and I, down. I love like. the, the, the pulling of the straps. I mean, like he's not the first guy to pull the straps in. Obviously, Jay Lawler, you know, was the, the, the strap pulling yeah. down was his thing. But Kurt just, Hennig as well, I think. Kurt Hennig yeah, had pulled the straps down. I mean, a lot of people do it, but it just Kurt made it his own thing, you know? So really <laughs> big standout moments in this match. I mean, they wrestle a long time. They and must be so tired. The pace at which they wrestle at as well. The fact when you're like at the 30-minute mark... It's not like, I mean, a match being long doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be, like, fucking exhausting. Because, I mean, Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels have got a lot of stamina in terms of just their cardio, what their conditioning, the, how long they can last. I don't think I've ever heard of Shawn Michaels or Kurt Angle getting tired in a match. Mm. But these two wrestle non-stop for 30 minutes. And in the end, the two of them are, like, they are exhausted. But it's this believable exhaustion that the two of them... Their, their mind is still saying, go, 100%, but their bodies are just slowing down. Mm. They are soaked in sweat, and they're like, there's not enough oomph behind those shots that there were at the start of the match. It's just, you buy it that it's a war. Oh, yeah. Kurt Angle had Shawn Michaels in an ankle lock for around 100 years. Oh, that's like towards the finish of this match yeah. then, yeah. Really scary for, for so Sean. So tense. It's kind of back and forth of like, will he make it to the rope? Won't he make it? And I, I'm not one for submission moves generally mm. I, I find them a bit I think it's just I've seen a lot of them done badly yeah. because this was so tense it was gripping it was really gripping I was like geez, I honestly don't know if he'll make it out of that or not because Shawn Michaels was like trying every trick in the book and they're yeah. like it's Wrestlemania Shawn can't lose this way oh god he's because he had so many comeback moments and so many moments but where I really felt Kurt immediately like reversed all of the attempts like, he had a, a, an oppositional move for each one they were so it's so interesting because they're such different style wrestlers and yet they very much seemed on equal playing fields. Again, Kurt Angle gelling with all those different styles. Yeah. I mean, the way he gelled with Michaels here, the way he gelled with Brock, the way he gelled with Rey Mysterio. 
three wrestlers couldn't be more different, and yet still, every single one of them, you know, he's getting amazing matches out of. Michaels refuses to tap for so long, and, I mean, when you're talking about a crowd being at a fever pitch, an ability to read an audience to know exactly the moment when you can get that just, because, I mean, a second too far, people are like, eh, and then he taps, the mm. match is, is essentially, the dish is ruined, to use a master chef yeah. uh, reference there. <laughs> They're almost about to overcook it. They're making twills here, folks, with this ankle lock. It's very delicate stuff. Just at the right moment, bam, there comes the tap. And it's, it's like, And they get to the moment, and when he does tap, though, because they've just milled it long enough, Kurt looks like an absolute machine, and Shawn Michaels looks like the bravest man in wrestling, yeah. because he was in that hold for so long, and then he finally... Tapped. And I think it's only thanks to both of them being such amazing performers and both their selling being so fantastic that they managed to pull off such a long ankle lock. Yeah. A move really that amazing. I find normally so boring. So that was a real incredible match. Mm. Kurt Angle was with the company for he had one more WrestleMania after this, and then by the following summer he was he was kind of on his way out. Talk about leaving the company on the worst terms possible. I mean, I remember my heart being broken so much. I mean, Kurt, again, as we mentioned, was used a lot as a utility player. Put around here and there, put him there, put him here, turn him face, turn him heel. The straw that broke the camel's back for Kurt, I believe, because he was constantly asking for time off, which he was constantly denied. You know, he needed time off to heal. How and could they not give him time off? Because his injury wasn't so serious that he couldn't wrestle. But it was like, he was told, I can't give you time off because we can't, like... We need you. There's no one else who can do the Kurt Angle role. If we, if you're not there, house show's going to lose their matches. Raw is not going to have its, you know, centerpiece heel. It was just, you know, that wouldn't happen now, would no, it? No, Good. but I mean, yeah, you've heard. I mean, it was very strange because I mean, we read in Foley's book where he was like, you know, Vince kind of going, oh, "How much time off do you need? You know, you'll take as much as you need. Mm-hmm. I want you to be healthy." But Kurt didn't seem to get that treatment. At least that's no. how Kurt told us. Because Kurt was also at the same time battling a painkiller addiction. A very oh, severe one. No. And you're talking about someone who's got a litany of problems. I mean, I remember how when he finally left, they were like, the, the storyline they did was that, like, the kayfabe reason was that he had too many injuries and they were refusing to let him wrestle. Like, Heyman was the heel runner of ECW. He's like, you're not allowed to wrestle anymore because you're too hurt. Boo! Thinking he'd come back. He never came back. Because he had, like, within, like, a week, he had, like, a groin tear, knee injury, ankle injury, neck giving him trouble. And Kurt Angle's not a sloppy wrestler, by any means. It's just wear and tear. It's not kind of like, oh, he botched a move and got injured. It's like, no, he wrestled a million matches this week. He's hurt. So, Kurt Angle left WWE on terrible terms. Really, really bad. Like, kind of, you know, blacklisting type terms. What, they blacklisted him? Yeah. Why? Because he just, you know, he left... They felt that he he was left the company on bad terms, that he kind of, he deceived them, some would say, in the sense that he said that he was so hurt that he couldn't continue to wrestle and he was let go because like, right, well, you had your contract because you're battling all these things. And then like six months later, he showed up in TNA ah. and people are like, oh, okay. Now, there's two sides to every story. But around the time, particularly his early years in TNA, Kurt Angle was known for the following things. Number one, lots of injuries. Number two, several, several, several DUIs. So he was found with like, you know, non-prescription painkillers in his in his car. He was found with like drug paraphernalia. It was really bad. There's a lot of mugshots of Kurt Angle from around this time. Mm. He was arrested for like stalking his ex-girlfriend. Oh no. Uh, he lost his wife to another wrestler, Jeff Jarrett, which led to oh, huge problems in the company as well. It was like 
just in terms of the man who was always just known as, there's Kurt Angle, I know him because he's funny, he's entertaining, and he wrestles. And there was a period of time for around five or six years in TNA where it's like, he's Kurt Angle, I know him because his life is a wreck, he's on bad terms with WWE, he wrestles amazingly, and he has a lot of DUIs. Mm, that's really sad. It's really sad. Now, Kurt Angle, to his credit, gave TNA so much credibility that I think the only, one of the only reasons that company is still going is because of him. He gave so much to that company since left. He was there for around 10 years in total. He was there longer wow. than he was with WWE. But in terms of how sore he was and how hurt he was, you know, he was really banged up a lot of the time. But TNA was a lighter schedule, allowed him to heal up, allowed him to get his life in order. As it stands, all things seem to be kind of going well for Kurt. But we did have to decide on a Kurt Angle TNA match to watch. And I thought I knew he had so many great matches. I mean, we watched him wrestle Samoa Joe previously, obviously, in TNA. But I thought him and AJ Styles, those two, you know, that was like a cornerstone match of TNA. So I thought we should delve in and look at one of those. They had many, many amazing encounters. What we went with in the end was Kurt Angle versus AJ Styles for the TNA Championship from TNA Impact in 2010. This was TNA's big launch rebranding when Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff joined and they went head-to-head with WWE, so they wanted to put on a big main event. Oh and this was it. Kurt Angle and AJ Styles, peanut butter and jelly as far as wrestling combinations. Those two, again, perfect meshing. And I love the fact that AJ Styles, who was someone who's got quite an intense high-flying style, never had to tone it down for Kurt Angle, which is awesome. Big problem straight away watching this match, I think. The entrance music, what the fuck? Honestly, I feel really bad about this. That entrance music sounded the whole match for me. Going to get up, going to stand up, and down, burn down, but never gonna. Please stop. I want to chant "You suck" at who made that song. Yeah. Not at the song. And who decided it should be for Kurt Angle? I mean, God, if you're gonna follow up with an amazing entrance theme like he had before, why go for something so? Shit. There's a problem with TNA. I think particularly as it was a company that you may have noticed the couple of times we've dipped our toe into TNA, it has always been kind of, here's a guy who used to be in WWE mm. or was known for being a big star in WWE. We and bought him cheap. <laughs> <laughs> but because you can see the comparison between the two, it you know, like the entrance music, for instance. Mm. I remember when Kurt Angle debuted in TNA against Samoa Joe, it was like, it's a dream match. And when the match happened, I didn't like it. This is going to sound awful. But because Kurt Angle's singlet was so shoddy, it looked like it had been made by a 10-year-old. It had like a little shitty star. It was black and white. It was like, the fuck made this? Mm. And I was like, this is really bush league. And it was because WWE production was not there. The music, not there. The camera angles, you know, the, the, the TV production values, maybe not there, you know? I will say one really cool thing was that he emerged through the floor. <laughs> he came up from underneath, yeah, I like that. Which is really, really cool. Coming from wrestling hell, essentially. But God, he looks so different in this match. He looks like someone impersonating him. He, at this point, had been through... I won't say he was through the worst of it in terms of the personal problems and whatnot. I'm going to say, because it makes a lot of sense as to why he looks so different here, considering all the stuff you said he went through. Yeah. Well, I mean, he lost a lot of muscle mass for two reasons. Number one, because he was getting clean. He did get clean from painkillers, which was, by his accounts, was a very, very difficult thing for him to do. Because, again, he wasn't doing it because it was cool, folks, right? He wasn't doing it because him and Shawn Michaels and Kevin Nash are down the back of a bus fucking trying to pretend to be conscious. He was doing it because he was in agony. Mm. Okay, that broken neck, 1996, never went away, really, you know? Which is really sad to see. 
Um, but he had to lose the muscle mass because he had to be lighter, so he had less stress on his joints. So that oh, he was. Yeah. I mean, there were some horrible stories I were hearing around these time about fans who would see him after TNA shows, like literally getting into essentially like a bin bag full of ice that was wrapped around yeah. him. I remember me and Adam like we used to like laugh like oh Kurt Angle and TNA he's like you know oh, you watch out because if he misses you with the moonsault his wheelchair and IV stand will hit you on the way down and we always used to joke about how hurt he was like it was a funny thing and then I remember seeing that there was a picture that a fan took with Kurt Angle after a TNA show where he was in a wheelchair because oh, after the matches Kurt is so sore that he, he couldn't stand or walk he Why was in a wheelchair on wrestling? it's not because he needed to because he did make good money but I do think that he has this drive in him this undying drive to always be the best more mm. bigger faster stronger better matches your Kurt Angle there's an expectation of these matches he did take a lot of personal responsibility for taking this company and trying to make it something and to his credit, I think Krangle did a lot more than anyone else who came in from WWE. Because a lot of people came in, cough, cough, Hulk Hogan, who mm. probably did a little more than line their pockets and have a few kind of pats in the back in glory days. Krangle, he wrestled AJ Styles here in a great match. He was wrestling this match four or five nights a week on the house show circuit. Oh, God. In front of 100 fans, 200 fans oh. maybe some nights. In little shitty arenas where people don't go to the wrestling that often. So, you know, fair fucks to him because... Kerrangle was never much a, oh, I don't do the small towns, brother. Or I don't do the big matches or the big moves at the house shows, brother. He was like, right, let's do it. Big match. He's got a really similar attitude to Mick Foley in that respect. Absolutely. That kind of real workhorse, I'm going to do it for the fans. The fans have paid money to see me. Their expectations of seeing me include the following. Yeah, for I'm Mick not- Foley, it was big risks, big spots, big bumps. For Kerrangle, it's... Big moves, intense matches, you know, intense action. I don't think Kurt Angle ever wanted to be viewed as being a lesser version of himself. Mm. To his own detriment, he kind of lived up to that as much as he possibly could. That's so sad. I was wondering, considering he and Hulk Hogan both worked at TNA for a a fair while, and considering Kurt Angle kind of put his life and soul and blood and sweat and tears into the company and Hulk Hogan sucked it dry... Has Kurt Angle ever said anything about Hulk Hogan? Like, he, how he, he thinks of him? He wrestled Hulk Hogan once. But, like, does he ever mention what he actually thinks of him as a person? The uh, Well, the only times, I mean, he could have said other things, but I will say this about Kurt Angle in terms of him saying things about people. He very much falls into almost a Hulk Hogan category of, depending on who he's feeling has wronged him this month or who he maybe want to work with this month. I mean, I've heard him say, like, WWE, I signed a deal with the devil, or I'll never go back to WWE, I'll die before I'm like, oh, WWE's great man, you know, I just love Triple H, you know, he's really great. Vince McMahon's a scumbag, you know. He praised Hogan a lot during his time in TNA, but that's because he was, again, a company guy, wanted mm. to get Hogan over so he could get TNA over. So I don't think I don't think I've recalled him ever making like disparaging comments about him. I did know though he wrestled Hulk Hogan in WWE, and he was the first and I think only person ever to make Hulk Hogan tap out in a match. Wow! Take that, brother! <laughs> wow! There's a very cool hexagonal ring. Yeah, for we've, TNA. we've seen that. Uh, we all, I think the only time we saw that before there was uh, we had three guys in the ring. We saw it as well with the Samoa Joe match. What are your thoughts on that hit? Have you got any more use to it now, having seen it a few times? I think it looks really cool, but I just imagine it's really annoying for wrestlers because you must get really used to the four-sided ring. And especially mm. if you've got good ring awareness, you know exactly where the corners are, where the ropes are. Even to, to 
play to the crowd at the different yeah. points of the ring. It's a little bit different. There's a lot really. of psychology involved, I think. And then with that hexagonal ring, it's suddenly like, must throw everything out of the window and start over. I mean, I thought the hexagonal ring was good for one thing, is that you could kind of go, TNA, hexagonal ring. That mm. was the association. They got rid of it when Hogan came in, because he thought, oh, it's... He probably was confused by all the corners. Well, his, you know, his words were, I've made a lot of great history in wrestling, and I didn't do it in no playpen, brother. Oh, fuck off, Hulk Hogan. Said that in front of the fans as they were booing him. But anyway... Um, in true TNA fashion, it wouldn't be TNA without some fucking bullshit. Literally, as the second these two start locking up, a masked man comes in and then just leaves. It was like a man... First of all, I thought it was one of the camera people because they're always dressed in, yeah, black. in black. But then I realised he had like a balaclava on. He looked a bit like he was dressed as some kind of stereotypical ninja. <laughs> was... And he just jumped in the ring and then left. Yeah. Okay. obviously what that was that reeked of compromise someone in the backstage area was going right there's got to be a Rudin in this match and then they were like yeah you're not fucking ruining this match with a Rudin what if they came in at the start that won't make any sense yeah but we got to have a ninja alright we've already got the balaclava made you know? <laughs> well, what are you proposing we don't have a ninja we bought that off eBay and the answer to who the ninja was I believe it was Tyson Tomko or my second guess who the fuck cares yeah <laughs> Such a fast pace in this match, even though this is over 10 years after Kurt Angle's debut, after all those, you know, injuries and problems, he's still wrestling, I would even say a quicker pace. The fact that he can keep up with AJ Styles, who is lickety fast, so quick and so, so speedy. So flip-de-doo. I don't even know if AJ Styles these days could keep up with AJ Styles in 2010. (laughs) I didn't like the editing in this show when you mean the editing you mean like what the cuts of the cameras yeah or? I mean like the not just the camera angles but like the actual editing of the footage altogether there were I mean I, I say this as an editor that, yeah. that's my day job okay um, there were bits where they edited honey call it your shoot job sorry that's my shoot job <laughs> there were bits where they um, they were cutting it and they missed out like essential parts of movies yeah just like just the wrong place yeah. the wrong time yeah. like reversals that suddenly were like were, were finished you never saw the beginning of them or you never saw the end of a move there was actually a point early in the match where Kurt actually hit his finisher but because of the camera angle it wasn't viewed as big it just looked like a random move it's because so he caught bad. him at the side and then Taz the commentator was like oh yeah he hit the angle slammed there <laughs> it's really bad and it makes you kind of painfully aware of suddenly all the camera work and everything which isn't good you shouldn't be thinking about Mm. camera work when you're watching no that's true it does take you out of it it does Kurt is much less funny and goofy here in TNA he wasn't funny or goofy at all in this yeah no, he he did have his random moments particularly early on as when he was a heel in TNA as being the kind of like you know a little bit wacky or whatever but by and large he kind of assumed this like measuring stick elder statesman of TNA wrestling like you know the book stops here in terms of wrestling and it was less about the humour mainly because I don't think the writers in TNA like had the the writing chops to come up with good stuff for him or that they had the audiences that it would really work with you know but it was very interesting because you know when we started this whole thing I was like, but wait, Joe has seen Kurt Angle before when he wrestles Samoa Joe. But then I thought about it, you know, Kurt Angle in his MMA shorts with the bald head, lean, serious, sort of fucking look at his face. so different. I don't even think you realised that it was the same man, like. No, I remember when we did the Samoa Joe episode and you were saying that it was Kurt Angle. And again, all I knew of him then was that he was the guy in the tiny hat. And I couldn't understand how it was the same person. You, you were didn't even have a tiny hat. <laughs> it's, it's like telling me that Brock Lesnar is the same character as Bo Dallas or in different parts of his life. That Brock Lesnar is, in that picture of Brock Lesnar, where he's looking like a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the same guy. <laughs> nah, I don't believe that. It was that. so difficult to 
recognize him. Very fast-paced wrestling in this, which in TNA means you get a this is wrestling chant, which also meant that the announcer might say, you're goddamn right this is wrestling. <laughs> Amazing counters in this as Kurt Angle gets the ankle lock in over and over again. There was finishers, counters into finishers. Was it overkill? Yeah. Honestly, because when I heard the this is wrestling chant and I asked you, is it just me or is this kind of an overrated segment to, to do of this is wrestling? You did really chant? early on, like they were jazzed up, I guess. Honestly, I, I liked this match, but I didn't think it was that good. And I thought they way overdid the finishes. So and this is coming from this... me. I barely even recognize finishes half the well, time. Well, that was it. You've mentioned that before. But I mean, I think that Styles hit the Styles Clash like three or four times in this Yeah, match. four times I think it was. And why, how did you even know that it was his finisher? Because he did it so many times. <laughs> it was very interesting though that like that those moves I mean if they were getting two counts in the same way the other moves were getting two counts so I mean I always think because people are like oh the finishers are losing their their meaning and then all of us fans are like of course they're not it's, it's the finisher but for a new fan I mean if Steve Austin had to hit four stunners in a match and still not put someone away I don't know if I would have grown up assuming that the Stone Cold Stunner was, an ama- was a finisher an ender of a match and I think in, when you're, one of the hardest things I think you tell me you find is learning finishing moves and wrestling move yeah. names still and that don't make it any easier no it doesn't but my main issue with it actually isn't that for this match it's that the pacing was thrown off for me mm. it was not a very long match it was 17 minutes or yeah, so yeah thereabouts and they started their finishes around midway and for me I think if you're going to do lots of finishes, you can get away with it, but you've got to do it towards the end of the match, not middle way through and not alternating between them. I think because they were running this show live, the idea was is that because no more than WrestleMania this year, WrestleMania 32, um, which you know, ran over, this match would have started with like five minutes until the show was technically meant to be over. And that's why they were on the uh, commentators were saying, we just got word from Spy TV, they're going to let us show this match to the finish. So the fact that they were going for the finishes early was then playing into the fact that you, if you're watching this live, technically the show is meant to be over by now, even oh, though they I just started. See. So I think that's what they were going for. It's confusing. That being said, they've done matches you know, since and before where that wasn't the case, where they were going into finishers like straight away. Because, I mean, Kurt Angle, in quite a lot of the matches we watched, he does the ankle lock more than once. Oh, yeah. But... I don't know, I just I didn't feel like it was that big a deal on this. I just didn't like it. I don't yeah. know. Maybe the, the lack of Kurt Angle's entrance music being <laughs> good in a bad mood. Put, tainted the whole match. I will say Kurt did get into a bit of a, I won't say a rut, but more like of a routine in TNA in that his matches, particularly if it was a main event match, it was like finisher, finisher, finisher. It's like, it was a known thing. I think that is because there wasn't a strong producer in like mm. TNA. Like in WWE, you've got some great wrestling minds who are there to kind of say, look, this is what the finish should be. Let's work on this together. Where if Kurt and AJ was left there to kind of go, right guys, you're coming up with the match. Maybe Al Snow might have a word with the or D'Lo Brown, but they're not going to tell you not to do your 10 finishers. Yeah. Maybe that's how we kind of get in there. There were loads of people wearing yellow t-shirts. Ah, yes. Uh, again, because Hulk Hogan was debuting him and his friend Bubba the Love Sponge. Oh, who, right. uh, Yeah, just to think, the reason those t-shirts were all in the ring was because of uh, Bubba the Love Sponge. You know, the guy who Hulk Hogan was filmed having sex with his wife. Uh, Funny how that... How, how dare you bring that right back up? Now I've got Hulk Hogan's sex tape in my mind mm. and him getting 250, 100 million, thousand billion dollars on I my brain. I didn't know. Bad taste in my mouth now. Ric Flair wandered in. <laughs> a wild Ric Flair appeared. As if a ninja wasn't <laughs> enough. <laughs> and again, he came in, gave a mean look, 
looking incredibly pink, by the way. Oh yeah, like the inside of a like a veal steak. He looked like an alternate future where John from MasterChef took over the world and was eating all the fine dining. <laughs> and was particularly pink and white. Too much port and red meat. <laughs> and then he just wandered off. Yeah, he was there to observe the match because it was meant to be unpredictable because it was this big launch night with Hulk Hogan and all that. It was very random for me. Even though we had many, 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 many finishers, we did have two really awesome moments. One where there was a top rope angle slam without the aid of a board this time. Mm. Another moment where he had AJ in an ankle lock that literally looked like he was about his leg was about to come off. The ankle locks did look very painful. Kudos to both of them for making that look really sore. Mm. But again, that's the kind of trouble. If they're that sore, don't do it four times. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why I've got such an issue with this particularly because he has I'm, done I'm, it in honestly, other matches. I'm fascinated. I'm on two minds about this. The finish came with a 450 splash by AJ, which was was spectacular, and AJ picked up the win here. But it's very interesting that you know it like that because I was kind of like trying to decide which of the matches to, to pick. And I'm not going to write off Kurt Angle's TNA career at all. Absolutely not. He had some incredible matches there that were rated very highly by Mr. Dave Meltzer and, and fans alike. But I do think that that criticism of the finishers, the over-reliance on that, particularly now, six years later, in 2016, where I think wrestlers, particularly even in WWE, have noted that we have to scale back on this. I think it's aged very poorly, even though it's a match that's only six years old. I think the trouble is I lack the wrestling understanding of why sometimes I like it when they do lots of finishes. Because I do sometimes like it. Sometimes they can really pull it off and it can really build up tension. And then sometimes I hate it. It's it's down to that subtle, that subtle puppet string pulling thing that wrestlers are meant to do, which is the psychology, bringing you along for a ride, mm. making you think that this could be important, what's about to happen here. But I think with this match, because the finishers came so early, yeah. by midway through, you weren't taking them seriously. No. And if a wrestler's finisher isn't going to make your ears prick up, then there's not a lot that they can do. With the other matches we watched for Kurt Angle, how long were they? Yeah, of equivalent length. I mean, the, the, the Michaels one was a bit longer, actually. I suppose the Lesnar one was a, was a bit longer. And the Rey Mysterio one would have been shorter and the Shane one would have been a similar length. Because I'm pretty sure in the Michaels one he starts doing the ankle lock again quite early. But then does Michaels get to do his finisher? Well, yeah, Michaels kind of... They, they had a much better pace for it. Yeah. Those moves weren't being done for the sake of it. It did feel like they had they were telling more of a story that it was exactly. building to that. They started off with the wrestling then they got to like trying the finishers. It wasn't just finisher, kick out, okay. I mean... I think a real telling point here was when AJ hit the Styles Clash and he didn't even react when Kurt kicked out. He didn't look like, what? He was like, of course he didn't kick out. I've only done one finisher. I need to do four of these to win. I think the trouble is, in this match, it just felt like the finishers were just like any other move and they were actually doing them more than a lot of the moves that they normally do. The problem here is is that they've got the match length set to long and they've got <laughs> it set on legendary difficulty and that's why this shit is just never going to fucking end, okay? <laughs> The two of them have just... It's like when me and Adam got to that point where we were like... And you and I got to that point as well in 2K16 where we are just like dead zombie pressing <laughs> the button, kicking out before... It's like, finishers mean dying. nothing. We're exposing the business by playing this game. <laughs> Out of the five, what was your favourite? Oh, I feel bad saying this, but I think it's got to be the King in the Ring. With, with Shane? Yeah, I, I think so. I... I feel bad because like, I think part of the reason that it was my favourite is because it's so memorable and it's so Yeah, it's, icon- it's iconic. I mean, that's it is. It is, yeah. it's really iconic. I if mean, you were to pick a, 
It's like the equivalent of mankind jumping through the hell in a cell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a huge kind of shocking. But I don't want to think, oh, I can only really love a wrestling match if it's really horrible. Well, if there's a, a number two then out of the list, which one do you think it might be? Versus Shawn Michaels, I think. Yeah, that was but, a But I mean, God, I loved, yeah. I loved the one with Brock Lesnar as well. Oh, well, I do have to say, this is one of those lovely moments again, no more than Daniel Bryan last month, where it's kind of like, you know, you've got a background of it now. There's so many more Kranga matches. We didn't even look at any of Kurt's matches with The Rock, with Jericho, Benoit, Benoit with Steve Austin, mm. wrestled amazing matches with AJ as a tag team in, in TNA, great matches with Sting. He had so many matches that were just like, wow. Yeah. You know? And even still, he had another match or two with Michaels, which were incredible. He had another match with Lesnar which was incredible as well he had a number of matches with Lesnar incredible there's so many Kurt Angle matches okay it was just too hard to bring it down to, to this <laughs> list I mean I, I could have done 10 more but absolutely I think this is a, a character who we will be revisiting again so what's he doing now because I saw everyone on Twitter was talking about how he's doing some kind of 10 year anniversary match with Rey Mysterio yeah he did that on a random pay-per-view that also had like boxing and MMA on it weird it really surprised me because like considering his talents why isn't he training people in promo stuff in wrestling in, mm. in literally any of the many many aspects he's very qualified to teach in depending on who you ask and this changes a lot but generally speaking I think for the last two to three years Kurt has been sending feelers out to WWE about potentially coming back <laughs> Well, there is a squeal that's going to be redacted very oh. shortly. <laughs> Depending on who you believe, it's one of the following. One, Kurt was asked to wrestle a full-time schedule, which he did not want to do, so therefore would refuse. A full-time schedule? Oh, I don't Christ. believe that. I don't believe that at all. Dear WWE, I, I d- please I don't stop. believe that at all. Oh. I mean, you're talking about a company that's making guys retire against their will because of injuries. Yeah. I don't think that if you're going to paint them as being workhorse slave drivers, they're not that anymore. May in the, maybe in the past, but not now. The other one that we heard was that he asked to come back and that they were told just no. Because Vin, he, the, the thing he said was that he asked Vince and Vince was like, oh, I can't make these decisions anymore. It's Triple H. And apparently Triple H has some beef with them. So the bottom line is there apparently isn't an interest at the moment. Okay. And I think if rumours are to believe, that stems from, uh, number one, Kurt's problems uh, physically, essentially, that they w- don't know if he would be able to pass a physical to actually yeah, wrestle match for him. I don't think he ever would. And number two... I mean, you got to realise there was like a good four or five year period where Kurt Angle was synonymous with what seemed like public implosion in terms of the DUIs, the stalkings, the breakdown of marriage, the, 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 the drug problem, you know. Those are kinds of things which, I mean, if you Google Kurt Angle DUI, there's a lot of mugshots that come back looking back at you. So I, I've always wondered if his less than wholesome image might be a barrier to him coming back. And also as well, there's always a theory which is that he left them and then appeared for another company quite shortly thereafter. I don't want to say never say never in wrestling because obviously there are some <laughs> there are sometimes in wrestling where people get genuinely pissed off. I don't think Kurt Angle has done anything worse to Vince McMahon than any of the other people that he's brought back. Mm-hmm. So I would always say expect him to come back at some point. I think it would be a dream scenario and I'm not the only one who thinks this where he became like Chad Gable's manager. Oh, the, yeah, him doing American Alpha yeah. as like a new team angle thing. Absolutely. They're so similar. American and, Angle. Oh, Come on. Yes. 
Coming out there with the ah. fucking sweatsuits and all. Come on, it'd be amazing. The fact that both of them as well have attempted to win gold medals in yeah. wrestling. I think it's incredible. Like, it, it's such a fit. huge. I don't think Kurt Angle is ready yet, even though he says that he's taken a break from wrestling. He had previously said he's retiring now. It's a break. I don't think he's ready yet to say, I'm no longer a wrestler. I do yeah. think he feels he has that big... WrestleMania match, comeback match, whatever it is you want to call it. I think he has that in him. If you look at Sting in terms of how someone who's maybe not 100% physically can come in from another company and how they get handled, I don't know if I want to see Kurt Angle come in, lose Triple H and then get injured and then retire and go into the Hall of Fame. Seriously. With all due respect to Sting. But that is, if I mean, that's what I think could happen. And I do think they were a little bit, not burnt with, with Sting, but I do think they're quite wary in terms of Guy who's maybe not associated with the company strongly anymore, coming back in, maybe getting hurt because they didn't, they didn't dodge a bullet there. I mean, no one came and pointed the finger at them because of the Sting stuff. But the bottom line is, I don't think Sting should have been, you know, no. wrestling in that kind of a match. But again, I don't want to see Krangle come back and get injured. No. And a lot of the later TNA stuff, I couldn't watch without feeling that he was... I mean, Kurt Angle wrestle matches in TNA that he wouldn't have been allowed to wrestle in WWE. Mm. With legs wrapped up, with his back black and blue, in invisible pain so i don't know i mean there's a there's far too many scary looking kurt angle doing a moonsault off a cage in front of a thousand fans where he's got like you know neck problems and you know rib problems and knee problems there's too much of that going around for wwe to comfortably bring him back but i would expect him to come back at some point at the bare minimum for a hall of fame induction because that is a hall of fame career no doubt i wish there was less of this whole thing of wrestlers not being able to come back and be in manager roles have got to be wrestlers because it's just ra- wrestling re- managing is not I know you've come in at a time where there's like Paul Heyman obviously and you got some Rick Flair. Or Rick Flair but again they're still they I think they don't view managers as a thing that's so so stupid I hate it I hate it you've got all this potential of like legends who are really talented who genuinely could be managers not just in in shoot but in kayfabe yeah. as well that's so if you don't think that Kurt Angle, like you know, being the on-screen manager of Gable and Jordan, but then also traveling the road with those two guys, number one, Chad Gable and Jason Jordan ain't going to be getting Kurt Angle in any fucking DUI painkiller. They'll keep him on the straight and narrow. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, and also as well in terms of the depth and wealth of knowledge of that. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, they're so amazing right now. If you add in the knowledge, yeah. Steve Austin, Mick Foley always said where they learned the most about wrestling was in the car driving to the matches with the the veterans. Yeah. You know, the people that Steve Austin used to ride with, he said he learned more, you know, behind the wheel of a car listening to a guy <laughs> with a beer and a joint telling him how, you know, how to get over in wrestling than he ever did, you know, back in a locker room. Wow. And I do think that a pairing like that, yeah, it's a dream pairing for a reason, you know? I get so scared as well with these slightly older wrestlers and especially now hearing of all these injuries. Mm. Like, one bad match and that's it. He's not... I mean, he's he, he could not walk again. Mm. It's not just a simple matter of, oh, you won't wrestle again. I mean, it could yeah. be far, far worse. I mean, God, I, I don't want to be an entirely negative Nancy and say, meh, 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 wrestling's so dangerous, even though it is. But, like, I mean, there's far worse things than not being able to wrestle again. I don't see a world where WWE will not allow Daniel Bryan to wrestle, but will allow Kurt Angle to wrestle. No. That doesn't seem to make sense to me. I really hope they don't let him wrestle, but I also really hope he gets over his whole thing of wanting to wrestle all the time mm. look after yourselves out there wrestlers please do 
oh, there's so few of you already. I want to see them live long, happy lives and pass on all that information that they know. And then retire in a little retirement home yeah. right behind the performance centre where they all wave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Resting's nice sometimes. Well, that was the amazing career and times of Kurt Angle. Now is as good a time as any to uh, take a look at some of your tweets and the Facebook posts from the How To Universe. Kurt Angle. Some would say that last week on SmackDown, you were saved from certain defeat to Stone Cold Steve Austin when Kane unceremoniously. What do you mean saved? Just because I was stunned? Give me a break. I had Stone Cold right where I wanted him when Kane stuck his big red burned off nose in my business. Who the hell do you think you are, Kane? You want to make a statement? What, you think you're going to win the Royal Rumble? Well, I have a statement for you, Kane. You messed with the wrong guy. I said, you messed with the wrong guy. Don't make me tell you stupid rednecks again. You want to mess with me, Kane? You want to go toe-to-toe with me? To quote the popular singer Shakira, whenever, wherever. What, you people never heard of Shakira before? What, you're not hip like me? That's because you're from Texas. Last year, Kane, you had a very impressive Royal Rumble. You nearly won the damn thing. But let me ask you this. You got one of these? I didn't think so. Because being a big red freak is an Olympic sport. So you want to make an example out of me? Well, tonight, King, I'm going to make an example out of you. Remember the last time we wrestled, King? I made you tap. You were crying like a baby. Mommy, please make him stop. Make him stop. Well, tonight, Kane, it's going to be worse. I'm going to break your ankle. And it's very difficult throwing 29 other wrestlers over the top rope with a broken ankle. Oh, it's true. I said it's true. Idiots. So we have a story here from Robert Hunter on Twitter. It's probably too late, but here is a Kurt Angle story a lot of people will not know. I remember seeing Kurt Angle live in 2003 when he was fighting Brock Lesnar. At the start of the match, Lesnar was making fun of Angle or something. I don't remember that much. Angle responded by pulling his singlet down and mooning Lesnar. I was in the front row with my dad and we only saw his butt cheek and had a good laugh. But later on in the match, he mooned Lesnar when he was down and unfortunately Angle's butt was spread wide open and you can see everything. We were grossed out and never talked about it ever again. (laughs) I still remember it today and can't get the image out of my head. Nice of uh, Kurt Angle's splayed (laughs) bumhole. Lovely. I always love hearing about house show shenanigans. (laughs) ASJ Paradise says he had a storyline where he wanted to rape Booker T's wife. Oh, yeah. There was, uh, again, one of the many, many times where Kurt Angle was flip-flopped. 
in one of the most cringeworthy wrestling angles of all time, uh, Kurt Angle was feuding with Booker T, and they thought uh, the best way to do that was to say that uh, Kurt cut a promo where he was like, Booker, I want to have sex with your wife. I'm talking about that dirty, bestiality sex. And they had like him follow her into the shower once. It was weird. Wrestling yes. 2004, I think it was. Fucking black hole of creativity right there. Jesus Christ. Uh. What the fuck is bestiality sex? She's a human. What race was she? Yeah, she wasn't white, if that's what you're wondering. For yeah. fuck's sake. I don't, yeah, there's, there's certain connotations there, guys. Yeah. yeah. Don't. Oh, God. Don't drag racism into your rape storyline. Okay, moving on. Black Mega Man says, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but here's the time Kurt offered The Undertaker a scooter. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. We watched the uh, segment where Kurt Angle, who had ruined The Undertaker's bike, which, you know, ruining The Undertaker's bike because he's a big dog and this is his yard, you do not do. And then he's like, well, take a look at your brand new sleek scooter. And he comes out a little... <laughs> you got little goggles on, a little French scooter. It's fucking lovely. And Undertaker is like, motherfucker. What I loved about that, though, is that there's two ways they could have played that and I'm really glad the way they didn't go with was uh, Kurt Angle bringing it out as in like a ha ha I wrecked your scooter and now here's an insulting scooter no genuinely Kurt probably kayfabe spent all day like yeah. looking for like the best like yeah. you know, what, no I want the best scooter and he's like <laughs> the reason he gave to him is like look you're coming out here in this big gas guzzler thing this thing is a lot more economical you know? honestly <laughs> you'll learn to love it you'll thank me later not what you do to the Undertaker. If, if you want to have a good time, just type in Kurt Angle funny moments. There are compilations. Oh, God, yes. You will laugh. We've included some on the How To Cut Angle page on How To Wrestling. So there's some of them there. Oh, absolutely. Go over to howtowrestling.com and check those out. Mm-hmm. John Smith Poetry says, Kurt Angle is the reverse Mick Foley, an affable, comedic goof who became an absolute killer. Yeah, he did. He kind of... It's funny that as his injuries and whatnot mounted more, his work rate became more intense and more mm. severe as opposed to Foley and Austin maybe who kind of, you know, as the more over they got, they kind of took a step back. He did kind of have an opposite career trajectory. I do kind of worry what Kurt Angle in 10, 20 years time in terms of quality of life will be like. That's but... the thing I worry because he's still wrestling. At least Mick Foley, he, he had the good sense to go, you know what, this is killing my body time to slow it down yeah and he's still ruined his body irreparably hey there's always ddp yoga yeah (laughs) um jeff maxfield says for me there are two kurt angles personality wise before and after he loses to edge in the hair versus hair match yeah i mean losing one's hair is often known to make people become vicious yeah Um, i'm never shaving my head off for the exact reason i'm nice because i'm so hairy (laughs) jamie mcdonald says you should check out the song kurt angle by lil b have you seen this? No. The Lil B song. Okay, I'll show it to you after we've finished recording. Oh, man. But Lil B, the rapper, yeah. did this song about Kurt Angle. Oh, and it's man. great. Awesome. And I just want to use this, this moment quickly to, to reference Lil B because Lil B, as a rapper, is the only rapper that made my mum cry with happiness. Because oh. he did a nice song about his mum and he filmed it in a pet shop and he's just he's just rapping about how much he loves his mum. And I showed that to my mum and she started crying and she was like, that's so nice. Why I can't wonder if all he'll, be like he'll make me cry because he did a nice song about one okay. of my favourite wrestlers. Yeah. <laughs> yes Mode Games says, should have been WWE's biggest star after Austin left. Perhaps the most naturally talented wrestler in history. Yeah, I don't think anyone could argue at that point. Afro Charlie says, Brock versus Angle was the first and possibly only time both WrestleMania main eventers used their real names. That's true. It was also the first... The time is over. I think both men came out incredibly injured. <laughs> Yikes. 
Gomez Q says, Unparalleled combo of wrestling talent and hilarious personality. Smart performer with a great character arc. Kurt Angle, I think, was the kind of guy that, I mean, there's so few guys. I mean, I know we mentioned with Daniel Bryan, but I mean, you want to get someone into, like, that style of wrestling, I think Kurt Angle's your gateway drug because of the humour and the, the obviousness of what the character is meant to be and the level of skill. You can't watch him and not be impressed while he wrestles and you can't watch him and not laugh when he's doing his comedy. It's the perfect combination and definitely a great starting point for a lot of fans, I yeah. think. James D. Leach says, A rare example of someone made better by TNA. So amazing in-ring, it's almost unfair that he's good on the mic. Interesting. I wonder yeah. how many people would feel... I mean... I'm not sure about... I mean, I've not seen enough TNA Kurt Angle, I guess. I mean, I will always take the view of TNA as, like, TNA as a, as a whole. I don't think everyone has been firing on all cylinders. There's been moments where it's like, the creative has been good, but the roster was weak. Or the roster was good, but the creative was muck. Or the matches were good, but the segments were bad. You know, I don't think it's ever been hitting on all cylinders. But in terms of, like, sheer quantity of matches, I mean, Kurt Angle was having high-end matches in TNA, like, every single week. I think the reason being is because he was the guy to have those matches. And yeah. everyone in TNA who could wrestle, wrestle Kurt Angle. So he's got a long-ass list there. And please don't let gentle TNA bashing or, you know, problems with, with quality or anything like that put you off watching that. On TNA's YouTube channel, they have vast quantities of, of full Kurt Angle matches. And I would suggest checking them out because nine times out of ten, it was always the best match on the card. Wow. Illus Clare, our good friend, says, Best theme, best attitude, best lack of ego, no fear of humiliation, my first fave. Wow, very good. No nice. fear of humiliation. I think that's really a particularly interesting point because it's it's something that can make a wrestler really lovable. Absolutely. I mean, I, again, we said on the Edge podcast, I think we mentioned here as well, just coming back to the point of if you're coming in as a someone who's you know, could very easily at the time in 1999 have his pick of the litter. He was being courted by ECW and then he saw the product and said, you know, there's nothing to do with it and was nearly scared away from wrestling. I knew WCW would have loved to have him. WWF got him and he arrives there and it's like, you're going to be a bad guy. We're going to use your patriotism as a, as a way to get heat. And, and again, so many people could have refused. I'd say, absolutely not. You know, that's disrespectful to the legacy of, of, of the Olympics and what I've achieved or some of the things that he has done. Like so many characters will be like, no way, man. Like, you know, Triple H, I wouldn't oh, say, God. you know, would do some you of the things. Imagine how noxious he'd be if he had an Olympic gold medal. So, so many people would not do the things that Kurt would do because they would fear that they would come off as being goofy and corny. The bottom line is if you're entertaining enough and you're good enough, it doesn't matter what you do. You can bounce back from anything in wrestling if your character is good enough work whitman says the promo where kirk conducts an interview with stock footage of the rock <laughs> is the best thing ever yeah god that was so funny so again funny. that's on the on the website you've got to check it out if you really, haven't seen it already because if there's ever been a thing where it looks like a wrestler in kayfabe has made it himself this is it like rock's not wearing the same shirt in all the takes he's used b-roll footage rock like drinks a bit of water and he goes sure rock drink up <laughs> Also, this next one is a bit randomly weird because it plays on my comparison I made earlier. This is by Grim Pixels. I told my wife he was Bo Dallas if he turned into Brock Lesnar inside the ring. <laughs> I like that. That's a good comparison. Cooper Clown says, As a 12-year-old new fan in 2000, before I understood and appreciated the art of being a heel, I legit wanted to choke the man. <laughs> he did. He remember he was so infuriating. The kids in the playground hated Kurt Angle. He got proper heat with those children. Adam Galloper says, Joe knowing Kurt Angle for wearing tiny cowboy hats is the hardest I've ever laughed for your podcast. <laughs> I mean, I want to I say right now, I mean, you got to understand what a big thing we've done here because... Being able to say 
that you only know Kurt Angle for a tiny cowboy hat is the funniest thing ever. But such was the quality of Kurt Angle that there was no way, as funny as that is, that I could let that continue. It was like, all right, if you think he's Curtis Axel and he wears tiny cowboy hats, you're going to watch some goddamn matches right now. I'm going to say now, if we uh, sell t-shirts, someday we've got to have a t-shirt design that's Kurt Angle in a tiny cowboy hat with the words Curtis Axel beneath it. It's like you find in a random pound shop in Skegness. Just wind up wrestling fans. Uh, over on facebook.com slash wrestling where we had some interesting conversations and viewpoints and a lot of amazing recommendations. Thank you all for all of the match and segment recommendations that you did send over. Tom Cadigan saying his King of the Ring match with Shane McMahon has to be considered to be one of the all-time greats. His initial run as a heel that thinks he's a good guy in a white meat baby face was absolutely phenomenal. He played that part perfectly from his first match in the ring in a way that nobody else ever could. His evolution into a wrestling machine was an absolute joy to watch. Harry Green saying that Kurt Angle is the only wrestler in history that can perfectly portray a bumbling goon comedy act. I love that <laughs> phrase. And a rabid animal that is capable of destroying everything in his path and everything in between. The believability that he could bring to his matches was incredible. He is the most naturally gifted wrestler of all time. I may be an Englishman, but Kurt Angle's all-American aura has always somehow filled me with US national pride. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, during 2001, after 9-11, when they made Kurt Angle this like all-American babyface, I was like... I felt patriotic for another country. Oh, Whatever that is. Speaking of, can we do a quick shout out for Dan Swanson for this episode's artwork? Because God, it is good. Absolutely. It is so American. That image is what is in Kurt Angle's head when he hears his own music. It's what I see when I hear his music now as well. Finally up here from uh, Brandon Davis saying, As a teenager, I was worked very hard by Kurt Angle. His initial promo was about how he was a real wrestler, was bound for greatness, did not sit well with me. <laughs> he went on this long winning streak in which he won almost every single match by screwy means, or if, if he lost, he would say it didn't count because of these different circumstances. <laughs> it annoyed me so much that my dad noticed it once. The conversation went something like this. Son, what's wrong? It's Kurt Angle. He's winning all the time and he thinks he's so great because he was in the Olympics, but he's not. Kurt Angle, the Olympic gold medalist, Kurt Angle. Yeah, well, of course he's beating all those guys, son. He's a real wrestler and they're just fakers. I was absolutely heartbroken and it took me almost a week to forgive him. Now, in the days before Wikipedia, as a kid, I thought it was just a story. I didn't think Kurt Angle you, was actually... Because the name, Kurt Angle, I thought was too perfect. I thought it was a fake name and a fake gimmick. It was only until like 2001 where I found out that he was actually for real. And I was like blown away. So it made it even more like, you know, mind-blowing for me that Kurt Angle had worked me so well. So hang on. So you knew that it was a kayfabe... Storyline. You knew, you understood the idea of kayfabe. Oh yeah, as a kid, I knew understood the idea of. of so you kayfabe. knew wrestling was in inverted commas fake. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh okay. But I I thought that Kurt Angle wasn't because I didn't I didn't follow the Olympics. Didn't have any almanacs back then. I wasn't sniffing any almanac back in those days, so I didn't know <laughs> if he won it or not. But yeah, uh, thanks very much for all those amazing comments. It has been an absolute blast talking about Kurt Angle, one of my favourite wrestlers of all time. And really, such a joy to watch all of those matches, all of those segments. I mean, I always get excited when watching stuff with How To Wrestling, but I mean, I never did I kind of get this sense of, I knew you would like so much stuff. And the more we watched, the more I knew you'd enjoy it. I was just like, like ah, wait till you see this match and this segment. It was really, really great. And I do hope a lot of people are going to show some new fans Kurt Angle and some of the matches that we've talked about. I really hope so. I'm just sad that this episode is over now, so I don't actually have a, an excuse to watch loads of Kurt Angle matches. You never need an excuse matches. to watch Kurt Angle matches. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Our next 
episode of How To Wrestling is going to be very, very important. In lieu of all the recent happenings and big goings-on at WrestleManias and running Raws and everything in between, and we saw a little bit of them here tonight, one of my... I do feel very indulgent doing all my faves, but we're doing <laughs> How To Shane McMahon, okay? So Shane McMahon, the son of Vince McMahon, who is someone who will also be doing an episode on in the not-too-distant future. But we want to know your thoughts on The Boy Wonder, the man from Greenwich, Connecticut, born with a silver spoon in his mouth, the heir apparent, or is he? We want to hear your thoughts on Shane McMahon, his initial run as a heel, any segments that he's been involved in, any storylines. And of course, most importantly with Shane, even though he's not a trained wrestler, his best matches, because he's had some amazing feuds. And Joe has seen some of the, you know, the recent highlights of Shane jumping off things in the build-up to WrestleMania. So I do think that this might be one where you get wowed quite a bit. We're looking for a big spectacle here, folks. All I know about Shane McMahon is... He's Vince McMahon's son. Yep. He jumps off tall things. Yep. He's totally ruthless. <laughs> I have a sneaking suspicion he like hates his body because he just wants to wreck it at every possible opportunity, seemingly. Yeah. And also he's a hunk. Oh, he, he is, is a hunk. He is a 10 out of 10 on the Hansi scale. Holy shit. With his grey like, streaks in his hair. It's very interesting because I, mean, I think it's only about time that Joe's gotten a chance to, you know, get another hot wrestler on this show. Yeah. A couple of serious <laughs> munters the last few ones we've been doing. Like, you know? now, let's, get some, let's get that hot old guy in here. Like, let's get buff Stuart Lee in here, you know? <laughs> so thank you so much for contributing to How To Kurt Angle. And we, as always, anticipate your tweets Follow us over on Twitter at HowToWrestling. For the next episode, use the hashtag HowToShaneMcMahon. Let us know your thoughts on the boy wonder, anything that comes up in terms of matches, segments, storylines, stories as well. I've heard some amazing stories about Shane McMahon behind the scenes. I'd love if people mm. can share some of those as well. Let's give Joe a thorough education on the man who, as of uh, April 2016, is meant to be running Monday Night Raw. Let's see how that pans yeah. out. But as always as well, you can also head over to Facebook.com forward slash how to wrestling give us a like let us know your thoughts on this episode join in the discussion on our upcoming episode and check out artwork videos goofs and gas relating to previous episodes and thoughts on the product in general and make sure you're subscribed to us on itunes and or soundcloud you can just search for us on the apple store and you'll no way miss us and if you feel like it you can give us a nice rating and or review and we really appreciate everyone who's done that already it's thanks to you basically that we end up in those itunes charts when we do yeah thanks so much guys and as well we have a patreon account which you're no doubt very familiar with if you feel like just giving us some support and maybe a, a dollar or so you can do that on our patreon page and that's just a really nice way of sort of letting us know that, that you want to help us out every dollar is a really nice gift a really great gesture and we appreciate it so much for five dollars you can get our pay-per-view reviews they come out monthly and we've got a really great backlog of them so far we've just done wrestlemania i mean going all the way back to SummerSlam, you've got like you know like nine episodes up there now so if you're looking for more how-to wrestling we're not talking about like you know 10 20 minutes we're talking over an hour over an hour hour and a half long proper reviews of those shows and getting to hear joe's thoughts as a new fan on the current product is always a blast truly the most unique set 
of pay-per-view reviews that are online at the moment. So if you want to hear mine and Kevin's opinions and thoughts on the mess that was WrestleMania 32... How we managed to talk about a seven-hour show in an hour and a half is beyond me, but we did it. And the way you can find out is become a $5 backer on patreon.com forward slash howtowrestling. If you are a $10 backer, you can gain access to our incredible monthly live stream where Joe and I play Y2 Wrestling, our weird-ass universe mode on WWE 2K16. We always have a blast doing it. We get to talk about wrestling, just hang out, do impressions, goose and gas, thoughts on upcoming episodes and feedback, and just a chance to hang out with us. We absolutely love doing it. And if you're one of those people who has to absolutely steer the good ship, how to wrestling into pastures and waters and you, you can become a top-tier $50 backer and request an episode. Just like our main man, Ashley Clements, who's requested this and other episodes. We've got a number of backers who've been requesting some incredible episodes. We've got such an amazing schedule of stuff coming up. It's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. If you're interested in finding out more about that, information's on our Patreon or feel free to tweet or Facebook us to know more about becoming a $50 backer. Thank you everyone who is a backer on How To Wrestling. We thank you so much for helping us make this podcast and your backing and your donations and your patronage is always massively appreciated. And a big thanks for listening to the show. We love your support and we love you. And if you love us as well, make sure you check out howtowrestling.com. If you've just started listening to this podcast and want to know how to get someone into wrestling or how to get into wrestling yourself, howtowrestling.com is your main destination. All the artwork, episodes, show notes, information about the episodes, all there on howtowrestling.com. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Can't wait to do a little bit of Shane O'Mac. The money will be coming, he says. But we want to hear your tweets first. Remember, use that hashtag, HowToShaneMcMahon. In the meantime, it's a goodbye from me, Kevin. And a goodbye from me, Joe. And we'll catch you next time on How To Wrestling. See ya.